Welcome to the Blackout Show, presented by the Guillen Grid, a show about the Chicago White Sox baseball, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll debate what's working and what's not on the south side of Chicago. It's old school versus new school baseball. And most importantly, we're keeping all the receipts. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode six of Blackout of the Blackout Show. We got Justin Lee with us and Isaac Gian Jr. Boys, one hell of a start to the week. Um, the disabled list is already lengthy. We got Eloy Jimenez that hit the DL. Tim Anderson hit the DL. Joe Kelly hit the DL. That's a lot of names, in, Gonzo. Running in from the ballpen during a collision, and he gets injured. Now, I guess you guys. The player we can really, really look at here is going to be Eloy Jimenez. Um, granted, we know that Tim Anderson missed the second half of the season last year, but relatively in his career, he's been healthy, whereas Eloy, there's a reason why we want him as a designated hitter, but we gave him the opportunity to lose weight this offseason, come back looking healthy and strong, um, giving him some reps in the outfield, and he ends up uh, – hurting his hammy and uh he's out two to three weeks it seems like it's precautionary but guys what do you think can we rely on Eloy going forward or uh should we start looking for uh turning this uh roster over next year oh, I think I think we're at the point to where is it too late should we have gotten rid of Eloy sooner now we're in a position to where uh old trusty aka Jose Abreu is not in the lineup you got to keep Eloy 345. He is the belly of the beast, the slug and the OPS monster that this lineup desperately needs. But the problem is he doesn't clock in enough. You we know what? Eloy to, yeah. We'll, go ahead, OJ. No, no. I was going to say he hasn't played since 2019 more than 120 games. Okay. Then, oh. then I feel like he got caught up in the COVID season, which technically has been his best season. He played 55 out of the 60 games. And then, ironically, the year after that, in 2021, he also only plays 55 games. And it's like he's been bouncing back from that Kobe year. And then after that, it was only 84 games. Um, the, the part where I'm concerned is that if the injury is not to his arm or his shoulder, again, whatever he injured, climbing up the wall, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a situation about his legs. And it's like, is this a chronic thing? Like, why is it happening? I really don't understand. Is it something that he can't play through pain? Because if he was a guy, let's say he was like a Scott Pitsenik, you know, like an Andrew Bennett, like a Andrew Benetini, where speed is his game, you could say like, okay, he's really hurt. You know, he can't do much because speed is his game. But when you hear stories of guys like Bryce Harper, okay, 
the guy needed like surgery in his arm, can't throw, but he's still hitting in the DH spot. I, right. I feel like I, like I, I'm not a doctor, and I it, it's a it's a space where I, I really can't like dive deep. Next time I do have like breakfast with Hermie, I really want to ask him these sort of questions because it's really hard to understand like like what's at what strain like does a player have to sit out or could Eloy play on one leg? Meaning you're not playing the outfield. You're just going to be up there hitting and don't extend your legs. That's where I don't get like speed is not his game. Can he still be able to hit? Cause that's why the Sox need him and they need him to be in the lineups at least at 120 games in order for him to produce the numbers that he needs because without Jose Abreu, he is the big bopper. So I don't think it, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't see this team winning a division without Elo Jimenez. I can see it without, without other guys. I can see it without Joe Kelly. Um, I can see it without without missing like missing another like missing a starter. You know, I could see them going like Moncada going down for a little bit, but like if Eloy starts missing significant amount of time, this team's going nowhere. That's just yeah. my my two cents. On that. And, and, and you have to think about the future. Yeah, and you got to think and think about this too, OJ. It's like 120 games is a tall task for Eloy Jimenez when. If you go back to the 90s and 2000s, nobody's trying, nobody, no elite player is playing underneath 140 games if they're, if they can. Like we just talked about it, Bryce Harper is a vegetable right now and he's still trying to force his way in the lineup. Eloy can't go first to third on a single without missing a month. Like it's, it's actually comical at this point. So I would like to ask Gonzo, or, you know, I, for again, this is not, doesn't have to answer this now, but like to run like his numbers of like what's the best season a player's ever had with like the minimum amount of games, because that's what we're looking at from a sock standpoint. Like I know that, you know, there's guys that have hit 60 bombs and those guys are like 150 plus 140 plus games, but like, what's the best season in major league baseball with like a guy's played a hundred games and he was putting up numbers that you're like, Whoa. And I've seen it done on the pitching side where, where you see a pitcher miss, you know, a majority of the year and then every single start is great. I think you can get away yeah. with pitching, but when you're up and hitting, the way that just hitting works, you have to be able to have as many that many at bats in order to hit the forty bombs, drive in the hundred RBIs. That's just how the the game works. I I, I really can't really explain it uh, to be honest. Um, but it's one of those baseball things. But I, that's why I think that he needs to be in the lineup, not just him. Like he's like the top list of being in the lineup. But then there's like you know obviously TA and then obviously Moncada. And then here's a the part where it's funny when they build this team, they build them all together. So if them missing a piece, it's like how many, like how many games is this lineup going to play the whole time together? That's where I'm. I'm my concern starts kicking. Yeah, because I don't want to be put in a position to where I was this evening, and Luis Robert is the 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 highest power potential in my lineup right now. I don't want to. I don't want to be stuck in that boat to where he's still an inconsistent hitter as is. He's a very flawed baseball player. He started off hot, but let's just be honest here. Like if Luis Robert goes into a slump. At any point this season, it could be curtains for us because he will be the one man on the island for the power. And I'm not trying to go away from Vaughn, but we're talking about a guy with a ceiling that's higher than most, and he's even fragile. So he, this White Sox offense is literally hanging by a thread right now. And the next, the next two and a half weeks is going to tell me, does this team have the nuts to fucking grind out a division, even when the troops are hurt. And I'm not talking about a 2021 fucking miracle season. I'm talking about executing the X's and O's of baseball, no matter who's on the field 
and in the lineup. We're going to see that right now, the next two weeks, whether we like it or not. You know what, Junior? You actually brought up you know, a pretty good solid player there in Harper, and he was an all-star last year, but he only played 99, I think, 99 games last season, and he was battling injuries through the first half of that season because he had a thumb and another like blister injury in June with a forearm injury as well. And he, al- he also had an elbow injury in May. So he missed a good chunk of that first half and still, you know, had that all-star status on that second half that helped that team get to where they were, or at least push them into the postseason. The World had, Series. Exactly. And then they get to the World Series and just lose it. But, um, but again, like the roster construction that Han built, he's putting a lot of his marbles in on Eloy being healthy as the best productive bat in your lineup. Because when he's out of the lineup, like we're seeing it right now, you got to push a lot of these hitters up top that you thought they would have a little bit more depth, at least up the middle. Because now it's kind of you're grinding it down to a couple hitters here with uh, Robert and Vaughn, and that's really about it. So it's pretty frustrating to look at it like that way. But um, good thing is that they, they think it's only a week to two weeks, so he should be back before TA. And when he does come back, that will definitely um, – help this uh, offense rolling like it was before both of those guys went down to injury. Um, what are you thinking about that, Jay? Uh, well, yeah, I think we're talking about the, the fucking absence of Eloy. Let's just be quite honest here. Seeing Andrew Benintendi bad leadoff tonight made me sick to my stomach. We're not going to replace Tim Anderson at the shortstop position or at the leadoff uh, spot in the lineup that is going to be a glaring weakness right now because you got to think the White Sox we're all of our problems are getting magnified because we can't cash in when we get guys on we're a notoriously slow starting team as nine innings develop outside of guys hitting home runs we don't manufacture early that element of the game takes a direct hit with TA missing right now so I'm I Grafal has to get a little bit creative trying to figure out how can he start off the game ahead. Because if you look at if you look at even today's game with Lance Lynn, like we got jumped on pretty early and it looked bleak because we knew that we didn't have that uh the jump starter in the lineup to even uh set the table in any situation. So I'm just I'm just worried about TA missing time to be honest with you, Gonzo. I probably won't sleep at night. Me or King Mac. And that, my friends, leads us to Grafal's grounds. Yeah. You know, I don't have a problem making decisions. I don't have a problem making a call on a, you know, on a on a pitcher. I don't have a problem making a call on, on you know, on whatever our team needs at this particular moment. <laughs> So far from week two, we lost the series versus the Giants in Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh, and then we have split the series so far on the road in Minnesota. But we're going to go back and take a look at some of these decisions by Grafal. We're going to go back to that second game um, of the series at home versus um, the Giants. And what happened was in that outing, 
it was a tight game later in the game. And Grafal decided to go to his best pitcher, or his best relief pitcher, and Lopez in the seventh inning, um, then saving him for the ninth. And uh, Junior, tell us about how you felt like that was the best decision, because I know you tweeted about it, and I very well agreed with it. So take us away. You know, it's very hard for managers that are not the Tampa Bay Rays to go with their highest leverage pitcher when it's not the ninth inning. Um, and I actually have a conversation with with uh, my father who has managed a couple games in the big leagues. And it says that it's very hard because once you have a set pitcher, you kind of don't want to mess with their, you know, routine because then when it doesn't work, everybody gets on you from the media standpoint. Um, and you and you hope that you have multiple assets that can get you out in certain times. But he does believe that sometimes you win the game in the seventh, eighth, uh, even more than the ninth inning because it is the, you know, the main part of the lineup. And in that certain situation, Griffal did not hesitate. And he went to his best arm in the bullpen. Uh, that is actually pitching the best right now and the best one in the past year um, due to the fact that Liam is, is still battling uh, and recovering from, from his cancer situation. So he went to him. So I thought that was great um, that he actually went to, to uh, Lopez and got himself out of the situation and, and, and dealt with the ninth inning later. I, I really liked it. I don't know if it was more of like analytical numbers thing, or he just said, you know what, I'm going with my best pitcher regardless of what the numbers say, because I think that I need to get this out. And he got it. So you got to give him credit for that. Yeah. yeah. Really, that really did continue on into the series, um, especially with uh, – I know we'll get to tonight's game, but he saved Lopez for the ninth when the game was still tied. Um, but I would like to introduce a special friend – um, of mine and the guy that really began this journey of podcasting in the Chicagoland area. He is the super back, Sean Sierra from Sports Zone Chicago. Sean, welcome to the show, my friend. What's um, going on, Sean? What's I'm up, guys? Awesome. What's going on? Man, whose bright idea was it, man? You're messing it, you're messing up my beauty sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no, you know Gonzo be staying up. I gotta late. watch. No, I got. I actually gotta watch Two and a Half Men at midnight, so I'm good. No. <laughs> men, 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 men. How, yes, how are you? You know, how are, you know. How are you? How are you taking this? These first couple weeks, you know, you, we know that you live and die with your White Sox. Like, how is this? Has how is this little three week run been for you? Of what you've seen so far, and and what you were expecting uh, on satisfaction. Um, you know, the, the injury part was one that I was hoping we would avoid, but apparently we can't, um, that bothered me. That bothers me a lot. Um, I don't, for some reason, I don't see a sense of urgency and, and I get it. I understand there's a, you know, 300 games in the goal, but listen, I, I feel that there, I, I just don't see that there's a. Again, a sense of urgency, you know, and it, it just kind of bugged me. I wanted them to start off well. Some guys have. CA started off good. Yo-Yo started off good. Um, I think Rafael's doing a good job. I think he – he. I was a little upset with him uh, with the TA thing, you know. Uh, I think that he, I think he could have uh, handled that a little better. At least if he didn't go up to him, have somebody go up to him and say, hey, listen, you you know, stop yelling, stop yelling at the, at the, the pitcher. 
All right, that's gonna do. That ain't gonna do any good. It's not gonna change the fact that you got run up, rung up on strikes. The change the fact that he quick pitched you. The fact nothing. So stop it. The only person who's gonna get messed up is you. And I, I don't. I just. I, I thought. I think he could have done a little more there. Other than that, I think. I think the Sox have have been okay. They've kind of been what I thought they would be. Unfortunately, kind of to borrow Dennis Green's uh, world famous line. You know, they are who we thought they were, and I was hoping they oh, could be a little God. better. But you know, they're not. They're. they're sub 500 team right now it's early but we'll see we'll see and sean this is our grafal's uh ground segment where we go over his decisions and you brought up good point with the ta ejection and that does lead us to our uh, second game that we targeted with on sunday uh it was the seventh inning um Grafals at bat with what was it jay one or two outs and runners in scoring position and he took mm-hmm. a was, third pitch was- strike Two outs. Yep, it was a, it was a high breaking ball. It was a high breaking ball right at the top of the zone. And the only reason why that that sequence get isolated is because Romy struck out the at bat before, so it felt like the whole weight of the inning was trapped in you know on Griff, uh not Grafal but Grandal's uh, plate appearance. So that just turned the whole game and isolated into that one at bat, and he took the high breaking ball. Like I don't, I think it nipped the zone. But as an umpire, I don't think I give the pitcher that call with that much leverage. Uh, no, and to line. me, the breaking ball, like it broke too late. It, it it seemed like it crossed the plate above the letters, or like right yeah. above, I should say above the belt where the top of the zone is. So I was just shocked to see that call. I'm not sure if the home plate had a grudge on in that series with that ejection that happened. Um, that was a key situation that he just took away from the Sox in the late innings, and they end up losing that game. And, oh, Junior, you wanted to talk about that too. Do you feel like Rafal should have went out there at least to argue it? Because we know he can't challenge balls and strikes yet, um, like the minors are doing. But uh, what, what was your thoughts in that situation? You know what? I'm, I'm, and, I'm, and I want Sean to chime in on this afterwards because I'm waiting. So Pedro – when 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 the Sox got Ozzie Guillen as a manager, I think that you had an idea because of how he was as a player, but Ozzie didn't really say much at first. So you didn't really know who he was because no one had seen him in Chicago. No one had seen him, how he coached in the Marlins. And it was more of like a clubhouse, how he handled things. He never had really had media exposure. When Rick Venturia came out, Rick was, uh, I think he's more like a Tommy Lasorda guy, a guy that I think we all knew that he would take you into a room uh, when he talked to players, but early on, right, right, we knew that that uh, from his days with the Cubs that he was going to be very vocal to the umpires. We knew that Ricky was not going to take nothing, and he and he argued a lot. Most people don't realize how many how many how much how, many, how much Rick Venturia actually argued. And, and when you look at a manager, Pedro Griffol is the only manager to ever come in the South Side of Chicago in my timeline in my time life that he actually came with coming out swinging, saying, "I'm going to hold guys accountable. We're going to kick people's butts. We're going to do this. We're going to do that." We're, I'm still waiting to see what this accountability looks like, to be honest, you know, because it's not in the media because he's already said it a couple of times where he said, oh, this guy pitched a good game. And you're like, what, what were you watching? Like, this is a horrible game. So yeah. so he, you can see that he's being nice to the players. We've seen him not kind of we've seen him not double down on any of the players and said that was a horrible at bat. He's kind of just kind of dealt with it. We haven't seen him snap on any of the players per se, on, on a situation like the TA, where you, you saw him go to TA or, or, or you've heard rumblings of what happened in the clubhouse. And they've played really bad games in certain ways. So I'm, I'm waiting to see what that accountability looks like. There's been accountability of people getting fired, people being DFA'd, 
So if, if that's what it's going to look like, it's going to be very hard to sustain. You can't just DFA. It's a big roster. You're going to start DFA a lot of people. I don't think Jerry's going to like that much because it's going to be a lot of money uh, and the roster's going to look very different. So I want to see what his accountability looks like of what his reaction is going to be. Are we going to see him, you know, go out there and argue balls and strikes with umpires? Are we going to, because that's a part, that's a, that's a part of managing that I think that we need to also judge Pedro on, not just as X's and O's, but like, can you change the momentum of a, of a situation? Could he have gone out there and argue for TA, you know, and, 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 and other managers would have tried to keep TA out of the argument, take the argument on yourself. You get yourself kicked out. TA stays in the game. So I, my question is this, and that's what I want to ask Sean is, I'm, I'm, I really don't know what his accountability is. I have a bet out there that the first guy that he rips is, is Robert, Lewis Robert uh, Jr., which I'm about, I, don't, I think I might lose at this point because he's actually playing pretty good. And he's actually hustling really much. So I, I, that's not a sure bet now. I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see when he snaps, you know, when he snaps uh, on somebody. And my question to Sean is, what do you think his accountability is going to look like? Because I'm, I'm at loss. I have no idea what it's going to look like at this point, uh, if, if it's ever going to happen. Yeah, he needs to he needs to do it, do something, do something quick. You know, I said uh, on my show, I said that he failed that first test with with Tim Anderson. All right. Um, you know, he should he should have gone over to him in at, in at, it sets the tone. Tim's the and I don't know if you want to say the face, but for all intents and purposes, since Jose's gone, like Tim's the leader of that team, whether we like it or not. So if you go up the star, whatever you want to call him. But if he goes up and and says, hey, listen, check yourself, relax, you're going to get kicked out. If he says that, he sets the tone for everybody else, right? Because now, now everyone, because everyone's looking at him. That's his first move. That's the first thing that's come up. So everybody's looking at him. How is he going to react? How is he going to handle this? Is he going to check Tim because Tim's a star? Is he going to, uh, you know, lay back, let Tim do his thing? What's he going to do? I think he failed that. One of the, so I, I think that he needs to. And then again, we don't know what he said in the clubhouse. Okay, we don't know, you know, and, and that's the one thing that really sucks. Is I'd I love to hear be a fly on the wall. And say, you know, he might say, hey, listen, Tim, that was stupid, dude. Don't do that shit again. You know, we, we don't we don't know that. He seems like the kind of guy, but I, I haven't seen it. We need I, I need to see something in public. One thing that I will say, okay, um, about Griffo, I like the I like the fact what he's doing with uh Oscar Colas. All right. I like what he's doing. Uh he was up, was it Saturday? He was up with runners in scoring position. They had a lefty in, and he didn't switch him out. I thought that was a really good good thing to keep him in, all right, because you want this kid to have confidence. This kid, this kid's, what, six, five, four games in, five games in, and you take him out, say, sorry, it's a lefty on lefty matchup. Here's where statistics can go out the window. Here's you say, hey, listen, I trust you, because if you're going to be a good hitter, you're going to be a good hitter against right, right-handed or left-handed pitchers. He left them in, got a base hit, got an RBI. That yeah. did wonders for his confidence. All right. It did wonders for his team's the teammates' confidence. It did wonders for Oscar's confidence. And it did wonders for the confidence that Pedro Griffol had. So he's doing he's done some good, done some some stuff that I think he needs to work out. But I mean, what do you expect from a manager, you know, a first-time manager? You know, he's been a bench coach for years, and it's easy to make calls and say what you would do or do things as a as a bench coach. But when that spotlight is on you and you're running the show, it's a whole another ballgame. Yeah. I, I I just wanted to say, like, uh, you hit it right on the head, Sean. Like, everything's brand new. And you see a lot of the, the, the previous year's flaws in the team pop up. The injuries, the, the, the ill-advised situational baseball, the runners in scoring position uh, woes. And you, 
we expected all of that to change just because the manager changed when in fact the same culprits of last year are still on the roster this year. So how much was going to uh, be affected when you still got the same guys in the jersey? Now, one thing I do want to say about uh, Pedro Grafal and his management so far is the bullpen management has been outstanding, especially when you had to you had to nurse guys who can't go back-to-back days. You're going without your best, you know, probably your top two weapons in Crochet and, and Hendricks. Um, I don't know what's going on with Graveman. You rarely see him now, mm-hmm. but I'm proud of Ronaldo Lopez. And I'm Ray, and Ray. the same. And, and the same thing you're talking about, Oscar Colas. Uh, Grafal's not babying Ronaldo Lopez. He's throwing him into the fire every rip. And uh, yeah, I think Ronaldo had a bad appearance, but but for the most part, every time you ring his bell, he's been available. So I, I feel like Pedro's been pushing the right buttons there. Uh, another Ted bit. He has been pitch hitting late in games for guys. You've seen Jake Berger get his reps. You've seen uh, Romy Gonzalez get some get some cuts too uh, late in games. So once the injuries start piling up, your roster gets thinner, and you don't have those type of moves in your back pocket, you know, day to day. So I feel like he just got to make sure that he doesn't handcuff himself just because you, his his horses aren't in the stable right now. You still could stay as flexible as possible. Mm-hmm. And 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 stay on task with what you want to do with the bullpen. It's only so much that you can do uh, as a manager in this situation when you don't have the guy the lineup card filled out. So I'm I'm not going to put it all on them. It's still early, but there is some some stuff that we do need to clean up. Yeah, no, I... one of the one of the things that I I really like today <clears throat> today's game um, was the fundamentals. <clears throat> the fundamentals. Kept them in the game, and the fundamentals lost them the game. <laughs> the lack of fundamentals at that point. All right, because how many? Because Oscar Colas. I mean, granted, he is a right fielder. He's not Gavin Sheets. He's not Andrew Vaughn in right field. And I know this is this is little league stuff, but he hit the cutoff man. He hit the cutoff man. It threw the, the dude out at third. It was a bad run, but it didn't matter. Hey, that's on them. He ran, but he hit the cutoff man. Cutoff man had a great relay throw to third base. Third base got him out. End of the uh, end of the inning. All right. Perfect, perfect play. Those little things. You know, one of my, my colleagues, my coaching colleagues said a coaching, uh, one of his former coaches said, if you take care of the big things, there are no little things. All right. And the little thing is hitting the cutoff, man. Don't try and show you have a Bo Jackson arm from right field. Okay. You probably don't. So hit the cutoff, man. Let him get, let him make the relay throw. He did. So um, there's little, little bits and pieces. Gavin Sheets with a, a 12 pitch at bat. I know he struck out today on that at bat. But man, that was a great at bat. Twelve pitches, that was tough. So there's a lot of good. There's good. There's good things that we're seeing, okay. And then there's bad things. You know, things that we need to work on that we're seeing. So it's it's kind of what I thought with a first year manager. And you know, for me, I just the one thing I do want to know. I just want to see. I want to see him really, really. I don't want to see control the team, but really have show that he's the manager. You know what I mean? Just like the TA thing, like. This uh, what, what what's going on with 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 Yo-Yo? His 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 back again? Like, come on, dude! Like, and that's I'm, and that's when and that's where I think that and that's what I'm talking about accountability. Like, like there's no one like steering. I, I'll be honest. How many times Ozzy told guys to shut the f up on the in the dugout? AJ being a guy that he would just look at and say stop, or he would say tell a guy stop. You want to get kicked out? You know, because even as a player. And you have teammates. This is a part. This is the type of conversations that I hope that are happening in the clubhouse. And this is where the fans don't get. 
And this happens in every sport, be it the NFL, NBA, MLB. When a team is in a run for winning, okay, you have to look at your teammates, okay, and hold each other accountable. Even little things like we ain't going to go partying, guys, okay? Your leg hurts. Hey, man, you got to suck it up, okay? Like you're putting everything on the line because you know that that's what's going to make the difference between you getting in the playoffs and then the special teams getting that ring. Everyone that gets a ring, everyone that gets into the playoffs, no one gets in there 100% healthy. So guys have to push each other and say, hey, you got to go. And guys do that in different ways, either by joking, motivation, but that mentality of you, we need to stay on the field. I understand if it's, you know, situations like the Liam, that's different. That's, that's a real injury. Or, or if you get a, you know, torn ACL or like, there's like legit injuries out there that are not nagging injuries. But if you want to keep yourself in the, in the, out of the lineup. Okay. Just say your back hurts. They will, they'll never find out what's wrong with your back. They touch it out. My back hurts out. My back hurts. And it's up to you. I'll say this. Jim Tomey could have literally missed half of the year every single year he played with the White Sox. That man walked up and down the clubhouse, looked like he couldn't even clean his butt. That's how much pain Jimmy looked like right before the games. They work on him. They put him on the bike. They stretch him. They had five. And this is the thing. Major League Baseball has this to players to, to get the treatment that they need. And he would do all that to get four at-bats because he was working to winning there. There's guys in the NFL, you can look up stories, guys getting worked on, and they're getting banged up. They're not practicing during the week just so they can play during the, the, the weekend. That's where mm-hmm. I want this team to get there. Like, are they doing everything possible to keep themselves on the field and play as many games as possible? Or they'd be like, ah, I got a little headache. I don't really feel like going today. If that, no, I'm being serious. If that, dude, I've been around, play, dude, that's, I've been around players. Thing, bro, I've yeah. been around players that are like, oh, my tummy hurts. I ain't playing. And then there's guys out there that are like, I might crap my pants. Like, I literally, if I, you know, like if I run off the field, like I, that's how bad it is. But they know that they have to play because they know that that's the big difference. That's where I think this, this team's mentality needs to turn the switch because there, there are going to be injuries that are going to happen. But I, I'm, I'm, I think Sean agrees with me this. This team, and they've had all these different managers, they need to look themselves in the mirror at some point and say, who am I? Am I really this dude that's going to go out there and play? and really bring it or guys like ta saying at some point i have to you know might not say something i want to say because i am going to get thrown out and he's got to know that umpires don't like him it's no secret they, they don't like him you know the half the league doesn't like him for whatever reason you want to put it up to so he needs to be more careful about that because his his leash to getting thrown out is that much shorter so i think these players need to really look at themselves in the mirror and say and that's where i think pedro i like what he's been saying because i think he can be the guy to get them there because I've kept saying this, if the White Sox don't, if the White Sox loses division, it's not because of Pedro Griffal. He's not going to do something to mess it up. He's going to do his job. It's about the players reacting. We had Rick Renteria yeah. that was putting him in bed. We had a, a Hall of Fame manager, okay, that tried to become their friends. Now we have Pedro Griffal, who speaks both languages, looks like an accountable guy, talks analytics, talks Good watch baseball. game. He's got a great watch game. He looks like a cool guy. Like he looks like a guy that you would sit there and he looks like a guy that's a baseball guy that can that can cross the, the line in different aspects. Latinos, African-Americans, American guys. He understands the game. He's bilingual. If you can't do it for this guy, at what point do you say, well, if it's not this guy, dude, you're, like, you're the problem. You're on your fifth divorce. Like you got to look up in this, the front office and you got to look at the roster that the front office put together. That's what Jerry needs to be thinking right now. 
Because if Jerry looks into the dugout and says, "You're Pantera's on his third manager, guys. Pantera's on his third manager. The guy hasn't even played five years in the big leagues. He's on his third manager. That's not good. That's where we need to say, okay, when do we start holding this roster accountable and, and calling him out? And that's what I, I, that's the thing that bothers me is that is when I said lack of account, accountability or lack of a sense of urgency, that's what I'm talking about. Like these guys, don't, it, I, I want guys to, to, to play every day. I don't, I don't see, I don't get that feeling like, oh, if I'm hurt, okay, well, I'll just sit out a game or two. And no, that's not like that. And I get it. There's a lot more games in baseball than there are in football and there are in basketball and there are in hockey. All right. But you, you just never know. All right. If you're a superstar and you're come and people come to see you, like TA, they come to see you. Lou Bob, they come to see you. Yoan, not as many people come to see you anymore, but people still come to see you. Eloy, people come to see you. All right. You got to get out there and play. All right. I don't I don't understand like this whole back thing. Is it must is it structural or <laughs> is it is it muscular? Because if it's structural, what do you then think we're talking bones? Sean, what do you think Grandal's thinking? When this guy's out because of his back, and the guy's got a herniated disc, it's already like everybody knows it's herniated. Yeah, it's, it's like, like my it's foot. A... <laughs> I'm just saying though, you don't think that he's in pain? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, so, and how? What are they doing? You know, and I, I I've uh, for the last couple of years, I've always asked, well, what's what's with the strength, the uh, conditioning coach, the strength and conditioning coach? Like, there's ways to get everything to to train. All right, there's ways to to not have. The proper stretching, proper nutrition, like, is that all being monitored? All right. And all these, because there's far too many bullshit injuries on this team. Do you see this team? Quick question. Sorry to interrupt you. And I'm going to ask you, Sean, because you lived in that era, which I don't think Rick Hahn will ever do it because I don't think he's got the cojones to do it. Do you think that we see at any point the return of the old Kenny Williams, where he used to call out managers, coaches, players, in the media. I know that he did it way more in the clubhouse than, than anyone ever would ever learn of because he literally would come in and berate players like in a good way. Like, why are you playing? I ain't pay- I'm not paying you not to play. Like, he literally call you out. I wonder when that's going to come back, if ever, because, again, he's an older guy. He's not really day-to-day. Do you think anyone in the front office, like, do we think Rick Hahn loses it at some point and says, hey, I put a great team on paper. These guys are just not doing their job. They're lazy. Do you think he ever goes that route? No. No, because you know what? The, the egos – they're too fragile, all right? They're far too fragile, and that's the thing that bugs me. They don't have that, like, they don't have that dog mentality, all right? They don't have that that killer instinct, and that bothers me. They're extremely talented, yeah. They have, they, they have, they're extremely talented, but they don't have that dog instinct. You know what I mean? They, they, where they're, where they battle, they fight, they scrap. You know, if something goes wrong, if they're hurt, okay, I'm hurt. You know, you you can't say anything negative about them, you know, because all of a sudden now they take it personal and they want to go cry. It's just a, it's just a, it's frustrating to see because I think, I think Kenny does need to go in the, in the locker room and just rip, rip him a new one. I think he does. You know what? Say, sorry, Rick. I'm, I guess, I guess he's above Rick. I'm, I'm making his call. I'm going in. He's everyone's in. boss. He's everyone's boss. So I, you know what? Yo, 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 stop with the back bullshit stretch. All right. There, we got a, a multi-million dollar facility, you know, trainers and shit like that. So go get, go get stretched out. All right, your hamstrings, all that other. This is all stuff that should be done, taken care of in the offseason. He needs to. I would love to hear that Kenny goes in there and rips people because sometimes you need to get, you need to get put on frustrating. If he did it to them and did it in the media, well, yeah, you know what? Guess what? This is professional baseball. It's a business. All right. I the biggest thing that I said about the Sox team is how 
do you, I asked a couple of people, do do they think that because they got the bag, Lubop, Eloy, um, TA, and uh, Yo-Yo, all right, they've come from, and this is a socioeconomic situation, like the money that they have now, their grandkids' grandkids could still be straight, all right? They're not, they don't, they may have lost that edge, that, that eye of the tiger that they're trying to get to the big league. They got here. They got that. So they ain't contract. thirsty no more. They ain't Sean. thirsty no more, man. Uh, Manny Machado's thirsty. Andrew McClutchin was thirsty for a very, very long time. But I think I get your point. And this is like the Adam Dunn signing. Adam was a great player. And they were like, Adam's always been a loser. He's always played on loser teams. He doesn't have that winning mentality. And that's where this team, you need to go and say, hey, do we have the right guy? We saw today, Pablo Lopez for the Randy Rosario. Uh, the Arias trade, everybody said that it was the worst trade in Major League Baseball history. Okay, it was like, that's the worst trade ever. How do you trade, you trade your, your batting champion? And we see a guy now that looks hungry in Lopez, and, and, and Arias is still doing what he was doing with, we saw him today for, here the, for cycle the cycle. Tonight. We saw that he was yeah. doing it, but again, when you switch players and you switch, the biggest thing from 04 to 05 was that they got rid of, they didn't get rid of has-beens. They got rid of Jose Valentin. Go look up his numbers. They got rid of Carlos Lee, go look up his number. Carlos Lee's better than everyone in the outfield right now, including Eloy Jimenez. Okay. Magler Donas was in right field. He's better than all of them. And they got rid of those guys. Sandy Alomar is better than the White Sox backup catcher today. A veteran guy knows baseball. And they got rid of guys, not because they were bad guys. They just didn't fit the mold of what they were trying to build of that dog mentality. They were a little bit more laid back. They were comfortable. They were household names. They were like, yeah, our talent's going to get there. And sometimes talent. Is not that it's not that big when you're fighting teams like the Twins, Cleveland, which are they're getting back to their like they're getting back to the I want to whoop on you mentality of the Travis Hafner's quote mm-hmm. I'm gonna be puking in the bathroom when the White Sox are getting their rings. That's the mentality that they had. Like Miguel Cabrera would come to our house and say, "I'm tired of losing to you guys. I can't wait till we like start beating on you guys. It's annoying." And that's what these. I feel like that's what everyone else in the in the division has. And the White Sox are just like, eh, like we're going to get there someday. You know, it's going to be good. And I feel like the fans are way beyond that point. Like they're like, we, they want to grind, man. They, they want to, you know, they want to just go all in and grind out. And 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 I feel like the new manager, I felt like we, we feel like he's going to take them that way. But like someone's got to call out. Like everybody, I'm just not this bull, this BS, dude. They got to call it out. They got to listen, play, play. Do you want to win or not? You want to you want to yeah. win the ship or not? End of story. The, the hell with gold gloves. The hell with batting titles. The hell with home run titles, RBI titles, MVP titles. Bump all that. You want to win the World Series or not? Then you know what? Then you're gonna have to bunt when I need you to bunt. You're gonna have to do this when I need you to do this. You're gonna have to play baseball the way baseball is meant to be played. It's frustrating that they, at this stage of the game they don't want to do it, or that you're, or it's not being called by the managers, or the players don't want to do it. How the hell you not lay down a bunt? All you need is five minutes a day to practice God blessed bunt. Five minutes. But, you know, you, they don't do it because no one does it. Oh, and then, then the analytics. No. If it's extra inning game, why didn't we bunt to, for, to uh, start the uh, uh, the, the, the top inning. of the 10th? Yeah. Why didn't we, I don't, why didn't I don't we get bunt? it. I don't get they, it. They, they, the, they put, the pressure. put the pressure on them. I don't get on that. The defense. Here, Lynn. You today, know what? I was surprised. I thought he was going to call them out, guys. Did you guys think Lynn was going to say something? Because I thought that you're not going to get a better outing than Lynn out of that. He pitched great. I don't think I, I was I was expecting him to snap on somebody because when you look at his line, that's a that's a that's a big time line for for Lance Lynn. That's yeah. you know it's yeah, a different point. Two bad pitches, really. Here, just two I bad got, pitches. You know, 
You know what? I got some. Uh, it was a couple people snapping on the internet uh, this week, especially these Pirates fans. Let's get into some Stone Pony tweets because it's going to get fired up in here. Okay, so obviously we know what happened between uh, Sebi Zavala and O'Neill Cruz uh, with the with the I don't know the ghetto slide that O'Neill Cruz. No, had don't even call it a ghetto slide. slide. That was ridiculous. Don't even. By the way, it just tells me one thing. I don't care how talented you are in the game of baseball, and this is what I've been. Yeah. I actually had heard some uh, a, a scout say this, and this is very true about a lot of prospects out there. Just because you're a good hitter, because he's a horrible fielder. Does not mean that you're a good baseball player. He looked like he had never slid in his life. Okay, bro, it was horrible. And and then look, this guy, this guy, Dustin McComb, and Gonzo sent me this bullshit. I was like, hold on, what is this man saying in regards to you know the after effect? Like Sebi took exception to the to the bogus slide. Like, what are you doing? He tweets out why Savala tossing his bag towards Cruz like there was anything malicious after Cruz's slide. Fake tough guy act. Even better one from Kopech running in. What the hell are you talking about? They could have just jumped him right there. And he, I think what he was saying yeah. was, so in, in the old in the old mentality, okay, when you used to take the game in the old way, and that's just the way that you play. And I always say, always expect the hit because you don't know when guys who are dumb, like Cruz, in that situation are not going to know what to do. And that's how you get hurt, okay? Yeah. Seve obviously gives him the plate, mm-hmm. okay? Cruz's job in Seve's head is, just even this idiot to protect his own knees is nowhere is not going to come at me feet first when I'm coming down. So Sebi's reaction is like, what are you doing? You moron? Like go around me. Like you're literally coming in to, to contact me because when, when you take out the contact play and that's why I don't like about the rule is you're leaving it up to these players to like do something dumb like this. Cause your catcher's thinking, okay, no contact yeah. play. There's no way that this guy is going to want to collide. And a lot of guys didn't want to collide before, but they would have to, and that's how they get hurt. There's guys that loved it. There's guys that were like Brian Jordan used to get on base saying, I hope there's a play at the plate because I'm putting somebody in the hospital. There's He's guys a football that player. Yeah, there's <laughs> other yeah, there's other guys that were like, like that was like, you know, there's guys like, man, I'm gonna oh. have to take somebody out. But that's the part where I think that that was a BS tweet because I don't think Sevy did anything wrong. No, and, and to begin this here, so catcher's interference has been a focus since Buster Posey's collision with that injury. With Scott he Cousins, yeah. Now what happened here, and Junior's completely right, that was totally legal there. Before the before the throw, Sebi was set up on the third base front corner of the plate, giving Cruz the back half of the plate, because legally you have to give the runner a part of the plate to slide into in, on his base path to the, the bag, and that's what he, he did. And you got to put this on the blame on our third baseman, Alberto, because the throw – drew him into um, the base path on the backside of the plate, causing that collision, which really was a terrible slide to begin with. But again, that was Cruz's own fault because really, I mean, you have six by six for the base path and you, you know, three feet on each side. So you can still slide around the catcher 
instead of going right into them because that's the legality of the rules in the MLB. You can still go around and you're still with, you know, you're not out of the base path. So that was all on Cruz there. And unfortunately he fractured his ankle, but he could have definitely done harm as well to Sebi with, cause he ended up twisting his leg in that, in that collision as well. Um, so all around and you just hate to see it because as much as you don't want to see that contact, um, a, a bad throw, by a guy that's not normally out there can cause that collision because I feel like if Mankato was out there, it wouldn't probably wouldn't have been a collision because the throw would have been on the um, on Sebe, on Sebi's side, not right over the base, the the opposite shoulder of the runner coming in, causing that collision. Yeah, yeah, it was a bad throw and it was a bad slide. And the thing is, you have to be ready. You talked about giving him the backside of the plate. We'll, we'll dive. All right, dive. It's in it. And the plate, the plate, okay. Javi, uh, Javi Baez does does it really well. I forgot somebody else did it. If you dive, you it's easier to avoid a tag with your arm by swimming over the tag or going underneath it. If you dive, if you slide with your feet, you're kind of handcuffed. Really no way. handcuffed. You, yeah, like you can't lift up your leg. It's going to be a lot more difficult to lift up your leg over the tag. You know what I mean? So it showed his lack of athleticism. It showed his lack of of a baseball IQ, like how am I going to get around this catcher without him touching me? You know what I mean? And that was, that was just annoying. So if anyone, and Sebi was pissed. He's like, you're going to, you're going to hurt somebody, you know, with that bullshit slide. Like if you're going to run into me, run into me, but don't run in and then stumble. And you, you know, you could, you could hurt me and he ended up hurting himself. So, you know, O'Neill Cruz is, you know, he's what six weeks, eight weeks. He's going to be out. All right. Did he not teach how to slide in, 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 you know, Coming up, I don't, I don't understand. I, don't I mean, his exit velocity is like 115. That doesn't matter, Sean. Yeah. I don't think he was sliding as a little leaguer or, uh, when he was playing ball back in uh, in the DR because it was just a, it was just a hitting every, his home run. Yeah, he's a home, hitting home runs. So all he had to do was trot. So, yeah. But again, there go the fundamentals that aren't that aren't prevalent in today's sports. By the way, so generally um, speaking, Gonzo, did you just basically put another X on Hanser Alberto? Because not only did he get he got our shortstop hurt, he lost the game today, and technically he could have gotten Sebi hurt as well. So in a week, yeah. this guy has done a lot of damage yeah, with his bat. Like he the damn Grim Reapers. I'm just be hey, I'm being serious. Somebody, you know what? I'm gonna be honest, man. Like the 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 TA situation, and this is like where guys like TA might get frustrated. Of like, I know in his mind he's like, maybe if Moncada was playing, I wouldn't have gotten hurt in that play. Uh, because, again, you think about all different scenarios. Uh, obviously, it's played today at third. It happens. Um, but, again, I, when you're used to playing, he's getting used to playing with T.A. T.A.'s getting used to playing with him. That situation there with the bad throw. Again, injuries happen. You need continuation of that. He's a newer guy to the roster of where it's taking. That's where communication happens. You know, and, and, and trust me, I, I'm sure Sevi Savala told him after the play, next time you throw it down when somebody's coming, don't put me in the – you know, in the runner's path, especially if this guy, yeah. a guy like this guy is running. And again, those plays are great because you don't get hurt. That would have been in 1980. Savala might be out with a concussion, you know, or yeah. worse, because he would have gone, you know, he would have just gotten destroyed uh, just because, you, you know, you're, you're like a sitting duck there. But again, I think that when people put tweets like this, they don't understand the situation of it. Sebi's reaction is like, what do you, he doesn't know that the guy broke his foot. You're just no, reacting no, to the play. You're just reacting like, what are you doing? And then after the fact, you see the guy on the ground with his knee. Your instincts, I want to jump on him and punch him. But you see the guy grabbing his knee. You're like, oh, this guy got hurt. 
Okay. And, and again, Santana's asking something. And, and all it takes is when the argument people don't realize is when, when Santana says something, one of the first guys to respond is one of the, the Latin guys says something back to Santana. Okay. Because uh, Kopik was just standing there. I don't think Kopik was even a part of it. He was just backing up the, ca- the throw like a pitcher does. So yeah. when he was walking over him, it wasn't like Kopik went there to start something. Like that's his job to be backing up. Yeah. Play. In the play, Carlos Santana did all the crying. Well, he was probably saying, like, what are you doing? He's probably like, what am I doing? I do not, like, I'm, then that, those arguments happen. The fact, this is the part that's funny, though. They're arguing. Why is the bullpen coming out? Like, it's an actual yeah. fist-throwing fight at that point. <laughs> Why is Joe Kelly coming out like it's a 100-meter dash? You're yeah. old, bro. What did I tell you guys last week? Use your Joe Kelly as much as you can because he will break down at some point. That happens with ages, my friend. And he just did it. He must have been flying to have that injury coming out of the pen. Yeah, I do. That's I when I heard that when I saw that I'm like, are you are you freaking serious? <laughs> like, are you serious? You hurt yourself running out of the pen to a fight that wasn't a fight. It's a baseball <laughs> thing, so there's really not a lot of the, the, there's not a lot of real fights in baseball. It's but I'm just saying of, that, like, if you actually if you actually would have seen Santana <laughs> throw a punch or like or Kopech, like kind of like the Cubs yeah. thing, you're like, okay, we got action. You're coming in. Like, usually you see the veteran guys that are smart that have been in these tussles. They come out and they do the walk out of the pen. Uh, yeah. And then you yeah, run. Walks, you, yeah. Usually the guys that have to run are the, are the minor, are the younger guys because people are going to call you out and say, oh, you didn't run. You know, you, you're the minor league. You're the younger guys. You have to be like, you know, pretending. You're, On 10, you're, yeah. Like yeah, you got to pretend you got to so grab you somebody. Be in the vanguard. Yeah, but Joe, Joe Kelly's doesn't have that. Re- Joe Kelly's reputation. Everybody knows he <laughs> likes fighting and doing this. So at that point, I, again, they're so cursed that – and that's not even his arm, which, you know, usually is his back or his arm. Now he's adding a whole new part of his injury. I, people are like, it's your groin. I'm like, this guy's not working at the post office, guys. You're groin for a pitcher? That's a pretty sensitive area. That's yep. all your torque right there. I'm just saying, though, like groin, I never had a groin injury, but from the people that I've known that I've had oh, groin I injuries, have. <laughs> I heard that you can't even wipe your, your little butt. Like, I heard it hurts. Like anything you do, it's like the most painful thing ever. And how you recover is you got arrested, right, Sean? You got you yeah. can't do anything. It, and this, depending on the severity of it, but yeah. yeah, the only thing you can do is rest it. You could re- you ice it, rest, uh, ice it, and heat and put some heat yeah. on there. But you can't you can't be active. You really can't be and active. Many more, and no more lateral more movements at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mrs. Kelly's gonna be mad too. Yeah, Everybody's gonna be mad. <laughs> I'm, I'm just being serious. He can't do anything. He can't be like out there even like throwing a light pen because you don't you can't you don't want to re hurt it. So he might be out for a while, and he was better. He was actually one of the guys that was pitching better out of the bullpen. So talking about Griffo and Griffo's ground in the previous segment, that's another thing. Now they're going to have to kind of shuffle around in the pen, uh, yeah. and 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 now they're like, when can Crochet come even faster? Because now they lost one of their better arms Pause. in the bullpen. Now that so- right there with our pitching staff, that leads us to our topic of blackout live.
Now, normally on Blackout Live, we normally bring out our guests into the show, but we decided to switch it up tonight, you know, in regards to our man, the super back, Sean Sierra, because we know he doesn't have enough drink left in him to probably last an hour or so left of this show. Um, and we got to get him to bed so he can wake up for his show in the morning. Are you, are you saying um, he's a moncada of, of podcasting? <laughs> <laughs> I should attack. Damn, Gonzo. Damn. <laughs> but for the pitching rotation is going to be the main topic of this segment. And um, I, I would say that Junior alluded to the performance that Lance Lynn had today because it looked like early on that this was going to be yeah. a rough game because we did there for a big win. <laughs> we did see how, you know, coming off injury last season that it took him a month to get back into the groove with what he was dealing with, with his knee and he missed spring training. So I was feeling like maybe Lance is going to need another month to get into it, but we can't also forget that he had in the second half, he was the best among our pitching staff, better than Dylan C's um, numbers wise in the second half last season. So can he get together here and uh, go forward with this start and hopefully take this into May and the rest of the season and be back up there and Cy Young voting like he was three of the last four years. Um, but really when you look at the pitching rotation right now, you got, um, Mike Clevenger and Dylan Cease with two wins and zero losses with the rest of the rotation as it's been having rough starts. Um, and honestly, the offense has been carrying us for the most part up till tonight with the pitching staff, um, been slacking, which I feel like with our white Sox, it's one or the other. Um, you know, our, our offense is hot pitching. It sucks, but mostly it's been for recent years, the, Pitching has been solid, and the offense has sucked. So um, what, how are you guys feeling right now with uh, the beginning of the season with our pitching rotation? Well, I'm going to go off the pitching rotation. So I'm, the guy that we were worried about was Michael Kopech. He gave up the batting practice in San Francisco. He didn't look horrible the last start, to be honest. No, I, no I, not at I, all. He didn't look horrible at all. He wasn't um, tipping his pitches. <laughs> he was, yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, correct. Um, and, that, and that again, and the tipping the pitches, it was. It's something that, uh, I, again, I talked to a lot of people in baseball. I, I knew guys in that. I know guys in that coaching staff in San Francisco. They were like, he was tipping since 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 he had his last outing. Um, you need to you need to find a way so that anything that you find out during the game, that's why they got timeouts. Okay. And obviously it's hard to fix it at the moment, but you need to figure it out. And that's where I was kind of disappointed in the, and that's not Pedro's call actually um, in the Copac game, because nobody was out there. They were just leaving them like, yeah, they just keep throwing whatever you're throwing. Cause you could definitely tell something was up, but that was like, again, so his start has been worse. Lance has had a great start and a horrible start. What I like about this start is usually Lance Lynn does the screaming and yelling versus Kansas city. If you guys go back to all those videos, a lot of Kansas City videos, a lot of Detroit Tiger videos um, against teams that you're like, you should be doing this, okay? Today's game, that's one of the better offenses today in Major League Baseball. Look at the record. Look at their numbers. They've been whooping on everybody. Uh, and he pitched really well tonight. 10-plus uh, strikeouts. Ball he missed a lot of bats tonight, Junior. He missed a lot of bats. Uh, so I, I think that from a standpoint of average, the White Sox pitching staff, and the people are going to disagree with me on this, if the White Sox pitching staff is a little bit above average, and when I mean a little bit means with I think Cease is going to be a top five, a top three MLB pitcher this season. Okay, that's an elite level. You're gonna when we talk about tables, Cease is sitting at his table with the elite guys. Like he is, 
He is already yeah. like kind of getting his plate. That's a different, that's a Chris Sale years with the White Sox. So that every time Cease comes out, is like if you're you a betting man, if you're, if you're a betting man, you bet you bet Cease, okay? Yeah. And if you're the other team, you're like, oh, that's an easy 0 for four. We're probably gonna take the loss. That's the that's the guy who stops the bleed. Everybody yeah. else just needs to be average. And what I'm talking about needs to be average is pitch your five to six innings. Don't let the game get out of hand. Don't don't give up eight, nine runs early in the game and just be average. Just be an average staff. Okay. No one needs to be in a side young voting. And then if that team does that with this offense, if they can figure out a way on how to produce runs and that bullpen, which is the highest paid part of Rick Hahn's plan, does what they were built to do, then the pitching staff is going to be fine. But if they think that this pitching staff is going to be Dylan DeCease times four, then they are completely mistaken. Because nights like tonight, and this is the reason that tonight's loss hurt versus the Twins, is the fact that you just had a huge performance by Lance Lynn, and you just went into the ninth inning with a runner on second to take the lead, and you were not able to execute on a night that your guy probably wouldn't have had a night like that versus a team like that on a consistent basis. That's where I see the starting staff being like, everyone wants them to be like these amazing, like be the Braves of the 90s. And it's like, guys, they don't need that. Their offense is good enough to produce runs that if they're average, they'll be able to, they'll be able to, to win it. They're not the Cleveland, like the Cleveland, the tribe, my, my tribe, they have to, the pitching in the tribe is like elite because they have to be perfect because they don't score a lot of runs. They don't because their offense is compared to the Sox. There's not a lot of pop in there. You know, they have to, the, the way they win is by producing runs. That's where the Sox offense needs to be able to step it up, not hitting home runs, but producing runs. The White Sox, Pitching staff just needs to do their job, be an average staff, and then this team will be competing. Because if they expect more from this staff, they're in big, deeper problems. Yeah, I think they're uh, – I still want to see that the dog mentality. Off, and I thought I'd see more of it from Kopech. And I think and I think that that, shell, that game might have shell-shocked them. Uh, and I don't know if you guys saw uh, – somebody broke it down, how he was tipping his pitches, and it was with his glove. All right, everything – you know, when all the breaking balls, his glove was not on his – the gloves on his left hand. It was not on his his wrist, not on his skin, uh, you know. And he would flitter up his thumb suit, and then fastballs. The, the glove was pretty much laying on, on his wrist, and man, it was it was crazy. So I don't know if it, if it shell shocked him, because I know he his mentality is he's, he's fragile. He might be fragile as well. Um, so I, we we got to see his next start. We got to see how he does. We got to see if he if he goes at people. I want to see this, this 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 guy this team go at people. All right, we got we got a good defense. All right, you got Tim Anderson up, up Tim Anderson and Elvis Andrews up the middle. You got Lou Bob, a Gold Glover in center field. So the the middle the middle of your defense is strong. Okay, Yo Yo at the at the at the hot corner, dude. He, uh, why? I mean, he's going to be in the Gold Glove conversation again. All right, so we have good defense. So pitch it, pitch it to let him hit it. All right. Put, and I just, I just don't. I hope Kopech is able to come back and get that attack, attack dog killer mentality. Uh, Cease Junior said it is on another level. All right, he's in the, the very the small conversation, the small table of of elite of elite pitchers. Um, but Kopech, he's one. Uh, Giolito, with Giolito, you don't even know, man. It's. Ever since they took his his best friend away, James McCann, I thought been, she was going to say been, the sticky stuff. All that too, but um, you know <laughs> he hasn't been. Uh, you know he's been like he's been he's been lost. He's been wandering aimlessly. 
All right. And so he sucked you know, with the sticky stuff, by the way. Sean's right about McCann. He sucked with the sticky stuff. There was that year that he had, he was the worst pitcher in baseball. He had the sticky stuff then. And and I love that he the the, the dog mentality, Sean. He is right. You see Dylan Cease today, and if two if three years ago you told me that on the mound, Dylan was going to be looking tougher than Michael Kopech, and Dylan was gonna look like he was gonna hit you in the side of the helmet. He looks like the he, he doesn't look like a I'm gonna beat you up, but he'll look like I'm gonna burn your house down when you're not looking type Psychopath. of intimidating. <laughs> like I because by the way, Dylan's throwing 98 night, like hitters are starting to respect them because when you have that nasty of an off-speed pitch, if you throw anything up and in, you you you're like, I might die because this stuff is so nasty. Yeah. And I and I'm disappointed on like how Giolito and and Kopech and Lance Lynn, he throws, he pitches tough. He's just like Burley. His stuff is just not that fast. But everybody else, and, and Mike Clevenger, again, he's pitching very aggressive, but Giolito and Kopech have nasty stuff. They throw, their, their fastballs are up there. They're not aggressive enough, I think, when they attack the zones. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very passive on let one go. You know, I think that was, I think that's one of the things that make Michael Kopech scary in the beginning was that you had this guy that was throwing 99 and you had no idea where it was going. So you were going up there like, this guy might hit me. And you were kind of intimidated. I think that intimidation factor has kind of gone away, unfortunately. And when you're looking at him, he's trying to become more of this finesse pitcher. And his intimidation factor has gone away where I wish that it, I wish that it came back because I think that's what made him kind of special. It's like Clevy. Clevy looks scary, even though his stuff is not as nasty as it used to be. But you're looking at him. Hey, he hit quirky. 97. That's what I mean, though. But like when you have that 97, you have that quirky little weird thing that he does and you're in the box. That stuff, man, that stuff takes that stuff affects you. As a hitter, so I, I wish that again. It's not the Dave Duncan pitching mentality of like, you know, go knock down a couple guys down. But I wish that they pitched a little bit more aggressive because today the two most aggressive pitchers in the staff are Lynn, who's a, who's always pitched that way. He's just so soft, and 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 sees which I would have never guessed ever. I could have guessed he was going to be the best Sox pitcher because I always thought I always had him there from a talent standpoint. But the way that he's actually intimidating and being yeah. like a, you know, I might put hit you in the knee. And you might be down for a while, like type of aspect. I really like this. I, I'm really enjoying it. Um, but I never would have guessed that. Yeah, uh, me either. He uh, he handled a lot of traffic uh, in his start against Minnesota. Like it, he didn't. You could tell he didn't have his best stuff. He was fighting command. But you got to think like minimum run scored. I think he only had what one earned. Didn't he have a flu? Five. He won. He won both games because obviously he didn't get over the flu both days. I guess he, he's. Getting over the flu, I love that. I always, I always, I so always. So you're comparing them to Jordan now? No, no, nobody gets. Or, to or Walter and, Mike, and, and Michael and Michael wasn't and Michael hadn't had flu. Michael was extremely hungover. That's just what they tell kids that he had the flu. Michael's probably extremely hungover from like nine days of partying. I, this is the thing, and the reason that you love Michael Jordan for that is because any athlete on any given day, when you're 100 percent and you ate your Wheaties and you woke up in the morning, and you can have that level of performance, that's great. Everybody knows when you're great. The fact that you're in the dugout. Okay, and this is and this is where you talk about being tough. Okay, you see your starter come in, sees never comes in looking hungover or anything like that because the guy's a he's a just different animal when it comes to that. But he comes in, yeah. I'm saying he usually probably comes in (laughs) chilling. He might have come in that day and he might have looked a little discrepant, you know, a little tired. You kind of look like he doesn't have it in him. And you look at him, I'm just saying though, and then you see him compete, knowing that he is sick. Okay, that's when you your teammates say, "Man, this guy's got it for real." That's when you the respect, see guys, that's the respect that's, that that's when you say, 
that's a respect you say, man, this guy came here with nothing today. If you're playing behind this guy every day and every start, and usually you're like, oh, this guy don't got his best stuff, you know, as a manager, everybody. And then you see him out there going and battling and battling and battling. That's when your teammates say, this guy's the real deal because no matter what he has in his, in his, in his arsenal that day, he's going to go out there to compete. And that's what you got to ask for. And that's where you want Jolito to do. I feel like if Jolito's not a hundred percent, well, let me ask you, let me ask you, OJ, uh, do you trust all five starters in a White Sox uniform to give you a uh, give you a chance to win when it's their time? Are you comfortable I mean, with I mean, all five? If they're if they're uh, uh, okay, let's put it this way: Are they a hundred percent? Is their stuff a hundred percent that day? Nope. At, at least I don't, I don't trust. I, I don't trust Jolito. I don't trust Kopech today because if they're not perfect, if Jolito does not have the perfect angle, like when he grabs the iPad. You and his angles sick. and his angles not perfect. What are we talking about? Like right here. I'm just saying. Like that that I'm angle? saying like I'm saying like his angle. Like he, I, I bet Jolito. No, I'm just saying yeah. that I bet Jolito grabs the iPad. That's how. By the way, that's how Cease was before. He bets grabs the iPad and says, "Oh, my my finger is off by two centimeters," and he's like, "I'm off." And then his mind's all messed up. I think Kopech's pitching like that too. Lance Lynn is out there like. Some days he's like, whatever, this is what I got. He throws 85% fastballs, and that's how he competes. I'd rather see a guy do that than a guy be a perfectionist and you just walking people and your pitches are not landing. Just go – you're overthinking it. Like, look up yes. at the – Mark Burley used to say, look at the scoreboard. If a guy's hitting under 250, he ain't that great. Like, just yeah. – you got to lead. Just go just, at him. Just go, just go at, at him. him. So that's where I think that these – I think the White Sox, those guys, Jolito and – uh, Jolito and specifically uh, Michael, right now, if they're not 100% efficient, they're not going to have a good game. And the other guys, they'll give you a great game regardless of what they have. I, I yeah. agree. And you can see the body language of Jolito. Watch his body language. I, I've been a coach for a long time. Watch his body language, but he gives up a home run. He's frustrated and have that look. Or, or when he snatches the ball, when the ump throws the next one, he'll snatch it and go back to the mound. <laughs> We gave up a home run, dude. Pitchers give up home. Here's a crazy idea. Every pitcher's giving up a home run. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Go get the next batter. It's over. You know, you getting snatch snatching the ball and giving that snot, you know, giving the gas faces. Come on, bro. That ain't, that's not gonna do shit for the next batter. All right. Refocus. All right. Get your shit together. Get lined up. You know what I mean? Get get your mind right, most importantly. And and and, and tr- throw your best stuff. I agree with you, dude. If if his if his stuff's not on. I don't trust him. I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. My gout, I ain't throwing nobody, dude. Him no or... So, so Sean, Sean played. So I, this is something that's really funny. So there's nothing crazier than when you know a guy's a tough guy. So if like Lance Lynn went out there and he was not screaming and slapping himself, opponents would be like, what's wrong with Lance? Because they're used to that. Okay. But when guys like Jill, like if C's went and like tried growling after like a home run, people would laugh. Because they'd be like, what, what is this guy doing? You and, and Giolito does that. Like he tries to like bring out the tough guy. Like, ooh, I'm mad. And it's like, yeah, you're like <laughs> yeah. Dude, you're not. Like Donaldson went. You're not that Don- guy, pal. You're not that. You know, but there's the thing. You don't have to be that guy because when you try to act like you're that guy and people know you're that you're not that guy, people are going to make fun of you. Just be who you are. So when he came, when you know, with like the whole Donaldson thing, and like he came on the bus and he was like, "Yo, what's up?" and like. Like he got out of the bus and you were like in your own parking lot with your own posse, like all that, like everyone reaffirmed, like we already knew who it was. So like when you try to act like you're something else on the mound itself, 
you're just going to get guys are just going to jump on you and you're going to so that part of like those emotional situations it's better just be yourself and be like hey just regroup because you're showing too much you're showing your cards you're showing your frustration it's like if liam Hendricks came out and didn't like snap and talk to his glove he's been doing that since the minor leagues you got to remember this man all these guys have been playing with one another since they were in rookie ball okay everybody comes up together so if all of a sudden you're like a tough guy people are like what did this guy do in the offseason like what are you talking about, dude? So that's where I think that they need to really find who he really is. And that's why I think Cease has really been able to grow because he's been able to be effective by while still being Dylan. Like if you see Dylan and Rondon, like Rondon is a, like a way different type of pitcher. And he does his things his way. Dylan's more like Greg Maddox. So Giolito and Kopech need to figure out like who they are in order for them to look at Ronaldo Lopez, man. Ronaldo Lopez went from like being kicked out of town and like nobody liked him to like really find himself in the pen. Yeah. But here's the thing though. He doesn't scream. People used to be like Ronaldo Lopez needs to be less religious. Ronaldo Lopez needs to be tougher. Ronaldo Lopez. And the guy is still the same person. He's just, he knows what he's really good at. He's stuck himself with the pitches that he's working in and he's going from there. You look at Joe Lito's when they're throwing signs. I'm like, how many pitches does Joe Lito have in his arsenal? Like he's like sign, sign, sign. I'm like, dude, just get use three pitches, two pitches, make sure those work, and then add something else. Like he's going out there, like, you know, like a list of like nine different things. If I was a catcher, I'm like, dude, you suck like, today. We're, we're going, he's we're going with two. No, 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 yeah. I'm like, no, we're, hey, no, dude, no, we're going no. with three pitches. Okay. We're going with three pitches, maybe two. And until you dominate those pitches, we're not throwing anything else. Because, yeah. and that's where the level is of. Like I don't think they'll let Jolito call his own game. To no, be honest. not like Cease. Not yeah, like Cease, but that level of like Grandal was behind the plate, a veteran guy, you know, new, for him to say like, yeah, Cease, you call the game. That's a level of respect. They ain't never gonna let Jolito call his own game. Yeah. Until and it's crazy there. because and it, 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 Cease featured, be- featured all four pitches and he still let him call the game. Like imagine Giolito says, I got all five working. They still not going to let him press the button. Well, because they don't, because again, I think that it's a confidence thing of like, yeah. is, is Gio going to be able to keep his rhythm and his form? And the and again, managers are not just making moves, man. They're looking at the guy. My, my, the thing that pissed, I'm going to be honest with you, that pisses me off the most. And Garland used to do this a lot with Ozzy and then he stopped. Anytime they're going to take Giolito out, he always has a feeling that he's got something to say. You got C's coming out when half of the city thinks he shouldn't come out. And he's like, straight face, gives him the ball, goes in, sits down, does his thing. You look at Giolito, they're going to take him out. He's like, oh. Yeah. It's like, it's, dude. It's, it's body language, dude. It's I'm like- saying, you just got destroyed, like, down by six. Or if they take him out at 110 pitches, he's like, well, they took me out too late. If they take him out at 80 pitches, oh, well, they took me out too early. Like, he hasn't had a manager say, like, dude, I had to take you out early because you, I don't think that you can hold it. And I took you out too late because I'm tired of you blowing on my bullpen. No one's told him that face-to-face and that's something that again he's a nice guy but those types of emotions they rub the players the wrong way they're like dude there's when, when the play, when the shortstop and the second baseman are talking when they're taking out the guy you're looking at that stuff looking like look at this idiot like look at like <laughs> seriously like look at this guy he's just embarrassing himself because you're thinking it like you're, you're just like in little league and you're like this kid's gonna just blow the game right now like this guy's not even finding a strike zone and that's where i think guys like ta get a bad rep because they are trying to be like, yo, dude, like, get it together. Like, you know, let's go. Like, and that's where I think the difference is. And that's where I think this team can grow a lot from Pedro because I think Pedro can bring them together when it comes to this, where it might have been lacking in the past. 
And that will be wrapping up our pitching topic. And we're going to be allowing Sean to leave us here shortly. But I want to ask Sean one last thing. And we're going to put our White Sox to the side here because Sean is called the Superback for a reason. With three weeks to go until the NFL draft, the Chicago Bears are number nine on the clock. Sean, if they stay there, who do you think they're going to choose? Or do you believe they're going to do a trade down? And who would you select later, like the candidates later in the round that you're feeling? Give us your synopsis at this moment. Well, it, it's going to depend on how the board falls. All right. Um, I think if they can, if they have two of those tackles available, offensive tackles, they might trade back. Um, if if uh, Tyree Wilson, the kid out of Texas Tech, is available, I think they, they might take him. I don't know if he's going to be available. Um, I don't think they're going to get Jalen Carter. I don't think Jalen Carter. He's not going to get past Seattle and Detroit. All right. So um, if he's there. I would really, 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 really. Yeah, Detroit really, just really... Uh, traded Jeff Okuda too, so they looking to retool at that. Yeah, on the defensive side as well. Yeah, they. How how's that, dude? You draft him and you draft him. Uh, a first, he's a first round pick, and you trade him for a fifth. Yeah, his fifth overall. third overall. Oh, third, oh, yeah, third, fifth overall. Fifth no, overall, a, and they trade him for a fifth round first, pick, I believe. First round pick. And they trade. I mean, what what the hell has happened? Is that there? Rick? But, wait, wait. Was that a Rick Hahn move or no? This is we're talking. We're talking football. Okay, we're talking hey, stop football. Stop playing so much, man. I'm just. By the way, we're. I am so surprised. Right. Okay, my guy. I text Sean when I need to ask NFL questions. But the fact that you're just dropping this knowledge on football, I have. I have never seen this. Jay, I thought that you were just baseball and and dragon stuff. I'm very surprised. Because I just asked my man. Sean, I said, "Hey, is my guy who wasn't my guy going to be the quarterback?" Because if the if the Bears suck, it's fine. Because he's gonna do something cool every Sunday. So I just want him to be the quarterback. Because this is gonna be fun watching him do what he did. I, I don't care. He's gonna be. He's gonna be like fun if they're gonna now. if they're gonna lose, I don't care. They lose every single game. They're gonna. It's like gonna be like having Otani on your team if you're like a baseball team. Like let him just go there, just break like all single single record. Like just let's just bet on like how many yards he's gonna rush. So that's why I'm like that's the only reason I want him as a quarterback. I don't know if he's good, if he's bad, but he's entertaining. That's he's the only very reason. entertaining. He's extremely well. No, I think I, I think uh, if I don't know if they're going to want to take Jalen Carter, and I think if, if he's there, which again I don't, I really don't think he's going to be. But if he is there, you, that solves your problem, all right. And people talk about his um, his, his semi his semifinal performance was bad. Um, his pro day was bad, dude. The kid, the dude, not, he's he's twenty one, twenty two years old. All right, what were you doing in college at twenty one, twenty two? And you know what? I got. I, I feel for the dude. I was driving a Porsche. A girl I was dating had a Porsche, dude. I was pushing 100 miles an hour, over 100 miles an hour on the mass turn on the mass pike, and we're back in Worcester. Okay, so I get it. I, I get it. Wait, so you were Moncada? I just, I, no, I didn't have a video. I didn't make a video. Uh, he, was Here we go he was like, I'm just hey, he's just be keeping it real. You know what I mean? So I get to I get to drag racing. All right, uh, but then you don't know how he processes grief. All right, maybe he was—he's still torn up. We don't know how close he was to the dude that 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 passed away or the staffer. Like that's real life stuff. Everyone's in, you well, know. People, Sean, people... I was gonna ask you. Like, I mean, I—I I don't think people are talking about this, but it could just be depression. I mean, he gained like what ten pounds? Nine in the pounds. Short period. Yeah, in a short exactly. period of time. That's what I'm is... saying. He don't know how how he deals, how he copes with with stress and, and pain. You don't know how he does that. Yeah, and this is uh. So, reason why I have these second 
and 13 visits because you have your psychological doctors there to, you know, you know, have those medical and, you know, those mental health reports to see if the talent is without a doubt there with the kid. Now it's just, you know, that now the interview character that side of it. And you have to decide, are you going to put that risk there for the reward? Listen, and listen there was a guy <laughs> in, in, was it 1995 who came out? Warren Sapp. And his name was Warren Sapp. And he, he oh, failed boy. a lot of drug tests. He, he was smoking weed. He failed a lot of other drug tests. And he was the best defensive player in that draft. And he went 15th. It was 15, it was 12 or 15th. 12th, I want to say. All right. Come on, man. Because all because of this. Look at the tape. Look at what is what has Jalen Carter done? And he's not doing it in the in the MAC. He's not doing it in the Big Sky. Okay, he's not doing it in the MEAC or SWAC. He's doing it in the SEC. Okay, this is the basically the minor leagues of the NFL. So when you're dominating that top talent, you know what this guy has. I think Coach Eberflus is the kind of uh, football coach he's going to need. All right, he's going to he's going to uh, the culture that he said he's going to say, hey, listen. You're, you're a grown man now. He's not going to baby him. He's going to give him some tough love. And I, I think it would be a perfect spot. But since he's yeah. probably not going to be, if he's not there, man, I'll take one of those. If two of those tackles are there, we're talking Paris Johnson. Uh, um, right. I don't even want Skaransky, to be honest with you. Paris, John, Paris Johnson, um, Jones, a kid from uh, Georgia. Roderick Jones. Roderick Jones or uh, Wright, Wright from Tennessee. That either if, if two of those guys are there, I'm trading back and trying to get one of those there because Broderick Jones has the biggest upside. Um, Darnell Wright might be the best right now, and um, Paris, Paris, John, Paris, Johnson, Paris Johnson is, is, you know, he's a very he's, he's that's a, a monster right now. He's a monster, but hey, don't let's not get it twisted if they'd only get them. Their other other tackle from Ohio State, Deron Jones, he is a monster. He's a beast. I mean, he's like six nine. Like he'll, he'll, if he slaps your head, it's coming off your shoulders. He's that now, nasty. Hey, hey, Sean, I want to talk about uh, just the other side of the, the line of scrimmage. Now, the Bears are going to need a defensive tackle, somebody inside, somebody who I was pounding the table for, Brian Greasy out of uh, Clemson. Clemson. You think he'll be a good fit for the, the squad? At yeah, nine. but he's yeah. I don't the, no. There's other people who who I would rather take before him at nine. But Vaness. he's he's not far. Vaness is okay. Um, hold on, hold on. Where did it go? Oh shit! Because I have it for my show. Clancy and, and no, Kalijah Clancy is uh, a little light, which I'm okay with. I mean, hell, he's not. What's his name's not that big either. Uh, Aaron Donald. So because they're literally the same size. But it's only one Aaron Donald. You, by the way, you guys both know Chris and Jay both know the the NFL. And the Bears picks way better than you guys know your White Sox minor league players. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, shit. Because <laughs> you guys talk about the White Sox players like they're going to be like the next hey, coming of hey, the greatest Slav- thing ever. Joan Moncada is a very loving. good player. Whether By the way, Joan Moncada was okay, hold on, hold on. Joan Moncada was always a stud. They yeah, made him was. a second baseman here because he wasn't playing second base in, no, in, in he when was. he was in Boston and in Cuba. They made him a no. second baseman in the White Sox. So let's yeah. let's let let's throw. He's back a number that one, one prospect. He was the number, number one prospect. prospect coming in. So it wasn't like you. Know, so it wasn't like Rick Hahn woke up and said, "Hey, I found somebody, guys. Find a diamond in the rough." 
Okay. But Junior and, and Justin are well balanced. All right. We okay. know I'm very surprised about the football side. So, like, when, when people gave credit to Rick Khan on, like, the John Moncada trade, my daughter could have made that trade. He called him. Look, he hooked up Baseball America and me, said, I'll take John Moncada. Let me get back real quick, um, Sean. I just want to end this. Who is your top tackle, though, out of those three um, as we wrap this up here? That's a tough one, bro. That That is a mm-hmm. tough one. It all depends on what you want to do. What what Not what I want to do. It's what Ryan Poles wants to do. If you want someone right now, Paris Johnson or Wright. If you want someone who's gonna who could potentially be an all-pro, then you go with with uh with Jones from Georgia. Georgia's got the biggest upside. Uh, I think Paris Johnson has the highest floor. I think uh Wright might be right Wright or Johnson would be best for now. And if you're looking for him to be a pro bowler year three or four, and then from, from then on, then you go take uh, Jones from Georgia. So if, if, like I said, if two of those guys are still there, then, yeah, I, I would trade back and, and try and get one. of, and, and I'll get one of them, or most likely get one of them. So um, I think I think that's I think that's the way to go. Or, or, or dependent, But also, here's the thing. If a guy on defense is still there that you have rated higher than him, because I say in the top four picks, take one offensive lineman and three defensive players. Three defensive players. I think that you you got to go defense. I think because they got they got three picks in 12, 11 slots. They got 53, 61, and 64. All right. Mm-hmm. My biggest issue with that is that you don't pick from nine to 53. That's a, that's over a whole round of not picking. And the 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 value this year is in the second round. So if they can jump back up into that second round or back in, I didn't want to back because I still want that first round pick. If they could jump up further up into the second round, that would be good. But once they get those three, 53, 61, and 64, yeah, they're, I, I, they're going to make some noise. They're going to find some good talent there. So I'm, I'm excited about this. And then like. don't forget, let's not forget, they're number one on the wire, waiver wire too. So when mm-hmm. uh, people start getting cut, they're gonna, Bears have the first right of refusal. So you might, you might be able to get – a D tackle. If you don't get a guy you want, you may be able to get some get someone off the waiver wire. You might be able to get someone at, at uh you know another linebacker or, or the corner that you're looking. You get one more corner. This secondary is going to be one of the best in the NFL. They're really good now. They'll be one of the best in the NFL. So let's not forget that part. Well, everybody, this is Sean Sierra, the super back. Sean, go ahead and uh, give us a, you know any shout outs you want or promote what you got going. Uh, I give you the floor. Appreciate it, guys. You can follow me at Sports Zone Chicago, or on, a fa- on uh, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, uh, and we have our own Roku channel. We're at Sports Zone Chicago. We have our own Roku channel. So if you have a Roku television in the house, what? okay, you can download the Sports Zone Chicago tile uh, and check us out live on the big screen. Uh, you follow us. Follow me uh, at the Sean Sierra. You see that? That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. I know, I know, I'm a 50 year old TikToker, but you got to do it for this business. Uh, if you want to follow me, you can follow me at the Sean Sierra. So we also have a mobile app you can download. So go to your, go to the app wherever you get your apps from. You can download it, take us with you on the go. We got uh, tons of articles in there, all the shows in there. So there's no way that you can say I didn't know where to find you guys. Sports Zone Chicago on YouTube. Download the mobile app. Sports Zone Chicago on Roku. All right. The, and Twitter, Sports Zone Shy. See, I don't know who the hell took Sports Zone Chicago. Like, really? I was a little annoyed by that, but we had to go Sports Zone Shy. That's where you can find us. 
Hey, don't feel bad because on Twitter we, we had to do a blackout show shy because someone, you know, with the show, the blackout caused issues. I did see that. We were... I... So, Sean, <laughs> I get. So, do you think this is going to be a hard one for you? Who makes, who gets a ring first, the Sox or the Bears? Who gets, who, I'm not saying a ring, who makes it back to the, not the championship, because that's that's a long run. Conference who championship? It, who makes it back to like a conference championship semifinals, like an like American the, League championship? ALCS or the yeah, NFC yeah. championship? Be- between that Bears. and the Bears. Bears? Bears? Yeah. Damn. I'll, I'll, and that, that hurts. Yes, and that yes. really hurts. You that know hurts, why? Man. Jay, because I'm a Bears fan. Deep down inside, that's the only team in Chicago <laughs> that I love. Uh, that's the only team that I – that I oh, that's, that's, hey. that's the only team. You want to know what team gets me that I root for? That I – that one i would trade i would trade a bears super bowl <laughs> for 30 30 seasons of the white Sox winning or losing Damn. Listen, you know you know what's what's really what's really scary and i said this on my show is watch out for that stupid team on the north side like they they've built a culture they brought in some world some world series uh uh veterans gold glovers i'm sick you to got, my stomach right dude now, you, you you're you're telling me but what's worse Sean, we're playing this game. What's worse? The Cleveland Guardians making it to the World Series and potentially winning it, or somebody in the Central, or the Cubs having a better record than the White Sox in 2023. Which they do today, by the way, six and four, better than the Sox yeah. record. What would be what would be more painful? The Cubs having a, a better record than the yeah, Sox. That's the, you guys, yeah, you guys, everybody's on that same boat. Yeah, no, like dead ass. I would rather the Minnesota Twins go to the ALCS than the Cubs. Have and that's fine. I was just, I was just asking because yeah. I, I've been telling everybody, okay, this White Sox team still to this day, and I told Sean this early on, this team could – and by the way, we talked about this as a family when my Ozzy was interviewing. People think that when Ozzy was interviewing, we were just like, oh, this is the greatest job ever. We're like, this is awesome. It's going to be a lot of money, so it's worth the headaches. But this is the list. We have a list of all the things that we were worried about. And a lot of these things are still happening, the injuries. So like when you're looking at the list, it's it was not an easy job to for any manager to take. But when you're looking at the list and then you look at where they can end up and then you look at how the Cubs are playing and the division that they're in, and it's like the Sox, if they end up being like what everyone potentially dreams of them being, they're like 15 games better than them. But if they are what they've been playing as of like the last couple of years, the Cubs might be end up with a better record. And oh. that's... And that, uh, that's scary. Uh, Dude, that's, that's what, man, I'm telling you, that's what I said. I said, well, I said, here's why. David Ross, Grandpa Rossi, he's developed that culture. Look mm-hmm. at how many games the Cubs, and, and the Cubs sucked last year, all right? But it wasn't because they didn't try, all right? It's because of the culture. Those guys were running through brick walls for that joker, man. He just didn't have any talent, all right? He didn't have any. They, they very rarely got blown out, okay? They won a lot of games they probably shouldn't have won. All right, they're in a lot. They're in a lot more games than they should have been in. Okay, then he brings Hosmer. He brings he brings Dansby. He brings Bellinger. He brings uh, Trey Boom Boom Mancini. All right, he got some talent there. All right, Bellinger. Bellinger had an uh, RBI double the other day. Like, dude, this guy is. I'm telling you, what Bellinger is going to have one hell of a year. And I'm I'll be I'm going to be so mad because I'm scared of, I'm I'm afraid that they are going to have a better record. Than the White Sox, and I have to deal with all my all my stupid Cub fan friends. Man, I'm probably gonna be I'm gonna have to block them all. All right, say don't talk to me about your stupid Cub fan friends. All right, dude, I'm telling you, and I'm scared because this team is is my White Sox are so unpredictable. They don't have lead. They don't have leaders. They don't have anyone that could gravitate toward. 
it, it's so frustrating, dude. So, so, so frustrating because they're uberly talented. I mean, they hands down, they have the best talent in the I mean, Minnesota's got good talent too, but I think they still have the best talent in the central. But man, they don't play like it, they don't play like it, and that's the thing that bugs me, bro. Hey, if Otani, if Otani, if Otani bunts in the world's in the world baseball class because that's what his team needs, that's Otani. That's Shohei Otani bunted because that's what his team needed. No one's gonna do that for us. Yo, Lou Bob's not gonna bunt for us. Yo Yo's not gonna bunt. They're gonna try to hit a home run. Best way. Guys, I just want Sean to know that that we keep the receipts. So, Sean hyping up Bellinger betting one seventy six. We got the receipts. By the way, here. does by the way does it matter at the end if they end up with the better record of the Sox? Bellinger batting one seventy six. We're not even going to talk about it because I'm, I'm just talking throwing, about I'm, no I'm, damn scrubs right now. I'm just throwing out that hill again. I want to let Sean go business. go but to I'm bed happy. Him, hey guys, I'm just saying though the reality of how like how bad it can get. Okay. This is okay. This there's something that and Sean's a real Chicago guy. In the time frame that we're in right now, the way that politics is going, teams going, the Bears are going to the north side, new owner comes in. Okay, if the White Sox are not like in clicking in all cylinders and they don't have juice within the city to get a deal to either build a stadium if they want a new one or get a good deal in the stadium, like this team, and this is very sad to say and very eye-opening to a lot of people. This team could might not end up being in Chicago. That, that, that that's a reality. Oh. I'm just saying though, that's how bad it can get. Because okay, how guys. do you resell? How do you resell fan base again on a on a on a rebuild? That's what I was going to ask you, Chris and, and Joe. Let me ask you this question. All right, all right, are you willing to give the Sox their your a lot of your money this year? Because I'm not. Yep. I'm not. I do. Have you I, tried the barbecue brisket at the park? No, because I'm going for the food. <laughs> and now, if someone gives me tickets, I'm there. That's what I'm saying, though. This tickets is a different. And a parking pass. By, by the way, this is a difference because Sean is <laughs> saying something that's pass. very true. Johnson doesn't count because he's out of state. And he, whenever he comes in, he's going to do it because he loves the team. But here's the thing: if I, if you invite me to a White Sox game, and I'm going to say it's because of the same thing with the Bulls, okay? And and I went through it with the Bears. I used to go and buy. I get hooked up, but I go buy Bears tickets. When they, and when they went the way they didn't do it, I'm like, I only go to Bears games if I get invited. I don't pay for anything. When they get back to a point where I think, like, I really want to – the last season I bought was the, the Mac. Khalil Mac, I bought tickets, like, literally, because I wanted to see him. After that season, I was like, I'm done. It happened with the Bulls. I feel like fans will go if, like, you invite me. Like, I'm like, hey, Sean, I got a bunch of tickets. Let's go to the game. You're, you're going to be hooked up. He's like, oh, hell yeah. Who doesn't want to go watch baseball? But, like, are you, like, waiting and saying, man, Minnesota's coming into town. Like, I have to get tickets. I just went on the other day and got Cup Sox tickets. Like, it was nothing. Like I'm like, wait, there's Cubs Sox tickets available? Still? Yeah. Yeah, like eight years ago, you would have never, you could have, you would have, you could have taken, they came out, you could have closed a deal. <laughs> you you could, I had people calling me seven months before, hey man, I'll do whatever you want. Please give me Cubs Sox ticket because the team was at that point. And now, and you get the feeling at the stadium and opening day, and I told you that people in opening day are having fun because they're back in the stadium and they could care less about the score. They're out drinking, eating the food, enjoying it. Does not mean that they're Are there you for attacking the me, Ozzy? Was that, no, I was in the same way. No, but I'm Are you watching I, but, me. But it was people were like, compared to the last opening day, Sean, where everybody was like, we're going to the World Series. We're, people were like, you know what? We're having a good time. It is what it is. Let's see what happens. That's changed. So that also affects the money of you going in, which affects free agency signings, which again affects a lot of things. So the, I think that this season, and the, they need to be real realistic. 
Because I think the biggest mistake, and Sean and I have talked about this on the show, was they let Jose Abreu walk. And what I mean walk is that they let him stay till the end and that got nothing in return. If you're going to let that happen, you sign that. You know that you have a deal for him, that you're signing him. You have a backdoor deal. Something's been talked about. They dropped the ball on that. So there's a lot of guys on this roster today that if the White Sox are not in a situation, okay, where they are competing, that they need to decide and say, hey, do we part ways with these guys and try to fix this problem before you have the Birmingham project at 100% and you're in a full rebuild mode for another three, four years? That's, and now you're, by the way, now you're year seven. Now you're seven years into this. Now, now you're, now you're flirting with 10 years of like irrelevancy. That's what I don't want because I, I cover the White Sox. I don't want to have another year about us watching. Dude, we used to watch Pantera highlights on NBC Sports when he was like in double A and triple A because what yeah. was on the TV was unwatchable. And we talk about Moncada and we talk about Pantera and we talked about Ricky's boys don't quit. And we talk, and I, I don't want to go back to that. Like, I want to keep trying to compete and, and have this us against Minnesota yep. and Cleveland. That's what I want. Like, I want competition. So I'm very scared of, like, what can happen because I know that they're not opening up 100, another 100 mil for the team to spend. I, I don't see that happening. So this is very important how they start playing baseball. Yep. Absolutely true. So now, Sean you'll see Sierra. me at games. You'll give me, see me at games, fellas. If I get tickets from someone else, if I, a couple of Miller, of Miller Light reps, my guy from my, from output, Eddie's. Uh, his reps got hey, I got tickets. Look good, I'm there. But I've given too much money. I paid too much parking. I paid, dude. It was twenty. It was it's thirty dollars now. I, dude, I had to do the suburban thing, and I'm embarrassed. But I took the train in, the metro. I was like, oh my god, smart man. Hey, hey don't be embarrassed. I love that metro. Take under, un, underutilized. By the way, one of the, the most Rock underutilized. Island. By the way, one of the most underutilized uh, features of that stadium. And again, that stadium is awesome when it's rocking. But again, I think that it's very important. Like the fans, I think that the fans are being a little bit more realistic. And now it's being like a joke, like, oh, we're hurt again. And like, I feel like they go through the motions. And if these guys are not up and running, man, I, like we might hold, I, I really hope. And I said this before, I said, it's not Pedro Grifol and his staff. I think they should be the staff for the next four years. Uh, I, I think the old man needs to say, go up in the front office and say, you guys are all gone. I'm bringing in somebody else to, to make this cleanup because I really don't think that they deserve to, to do the rebuild 2.0. I really don't. And we will get to that, but Sean Sierra, the super big, thank you for joining thank us. Thank you, man. Um, oh, I appreciate catch, it, man. Catch me on Sean Sierra's sports zone, Chicago tomorrow in the morning with Sean. And he's going to grill me again. on oh, these white spots. Oh. Um, it's going to be a fantastic discussion as it always is. Um, Sean, thank you for your time. I really appreciate you coming on with us, talking White Sox and talking Bears for the hell of it because that's coming up soon. Um, Sean, thank you once again. Uh, oh, no problem, man. Tonight. No problem. No, I, I got to go watch Two and a Half Men. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to watch Mokata highlights. Hey, hey, hey. I, I just might. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to watch this video. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right fellas we'll talk later thank you yeah all right by the See way you, gentlemen you guys I i'm actually shocked at how much you both know football uh if, if you only be. knew what what type of gauntlet we go through with the scumbag group chat over the fucking bears like it's a shit show <laughs> you know what it's though but i i i watch i watch the nfl Number one, because of gambling. But number two, I, I think I watch the Bears, like of all those Twitter fans that I make fun of, the upper deck experts. Um, 
and I try not to now because I, I'm just I just throw out there like this team's what like I'm literally just watching it as like a the yeah. meat the meathead guy. Junior, which junior, don't, don't you worry, I got some lined up for later or for beginning of May, Bears related, White Sox as well. So I'll tease that, but um, we're not done with that topic. So, and I'm, I'm just that, I'm surprised you guys are very hey, good. You guys are good. You guys know your stuff. I got us. I got us lined up. And I'm lining us up for our second to final segment of Southside Daily, where we preview the upcoming week. Boom. This is Southside Daily, and we start off the week with two games left of the series uh, in Minnesota. Um, one of those two games was today, and it was Lynn versus Lopez. And uh, we talked about Lynn, rocky first inning, but first inning analytically is always hard, hardest to get by. He got by it, and uh, after the first inning, we were tied at two. But he went six innings, which was crazy to believe after that first inning. He went six innings, gave up seven hits, three earned runs, had 10 strikeouts on 98 98 pitches. Um, But unfortunately, the offense couldn't keep up as Pablo Lopez went seven and two-thirds, only giving up three hits, two two earned runs, one walk on 10 strikeouts. Um, It appeared that Pablo, which that was a showdown matchup that I highlighted for this week of Lynn versus Lopez, Pablo did his thing. Minnesota gave up their batting champ in Arias and got Pablo, and Pablo worked out for one game out of the other seven days of the week. So it is what it is. He ties up the series. Um, Thursday's matchup is going to be – I believe it's Thursday's matchup, actually, but uh, it's going to be – well, Is it Thursday? Geo, I think they have or sorry, Wednesday, Wednesday my bad. Wednesday, they Wednesday. have Thursday off. Yeah, they have Thursday off. So Wednesday's matchup is Geo versus Gray. Um, go ahead and give us the numbers of uh, Gray. So, the, so, the, so everybody that's projected to be in the lineup, uh, these are their numbers against Sonny Gray. Uh, there's some promising things uh, with you. You see, Gavin Sheets, Andrew Benintendi, both batting well over uh, 300. You know, Grafal's going to stack the lineup with left-handed bats. That's what you want to do against a guy like uh, Sonny Gray. You want to make sure that he isn't able to get to the back foot because with him throwing over the top breaking balls, uh, that's what he's going to want to do. That So uh, I'm looking for a good game out of Oscar Colas. Uh, he looked like dog shit tonight uh, with runners in scoring position. He's, it looked like a couple of at-bats have eroded. So I'm going to keep a close eye on him versus mm-hmm. Sonny and the rest of Minnesota bullpen. I want to see if he can catch in runners in score position and win me a series, Gonzo. Yeah, and I just want to highlight, we did talk about Colas with Sean, but I really wanted to say is I got to, I do agree with Sean, but at the same time, like, I mean, I let's just be honest, like, as a rookie right now in his at-bats, he's looking solid with batting at least 300. He's doing, he's taking his fair share, but with runners in scoring position, he's been struggling. And in the Houston series, we saw that, but I want to highlight some, especially tonight, 
we were talking about can't execute fundamentals, but in the tenth inning with the California rules, with the runner at second uh, or starting off at second with these rules, when he came up to bat, he had guy at third, one out. Really early on in the at bat, he just flicks his wrist, causes weak contact with the ball up in the zone into shallow left and got caught. And you can't. We talk about produ- productive outs on this show. Junior loves to talk about it. And we all agree with them on this productive outs fundamental of the game. You need to, you need to at least take that first pitch strike if, if that's not what you're looking for. So you can get something better to hit and at least move that runner over or create that productive out to get that run to score. So you, in the situation where um, Alberto throws the ball away, you at least have a tie game and you, that game keeps going. Um, but let's move. I believe in this series they're going to lose tomorrow because we talked about Giolito. I don't believe. I don't believe in Giolito. Wow. Um, I actually believe you that, fucking disgust me. I actually believe that Clevenger is going to have a better year than Giolito. I believe um, that too. Wow. You know what, Gonzo? Right now, the meter of like do 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 credibility. Is going. <laughs> I'm being honest because I thought he was going to go out with some crazy stuff. By the way, Gray has been pitching like amazing. Like he, it's, mm-hmm. it's like if Cease was pitching against, uh, like Giolito, pretty much. Uh, like uh, the only way I can see it is that if they go out and they produce runs. So I got, I agree. I agree with Gonzo. I, I can't. I cannot go in good faith. I do like Giolito. I do like four out of our five pitchers in that rotation. I believe as the season goes along, that they will only get better and we'll be more worried about the offense and what happens from there. But I want to get back to uh, Buxton, all right, situational baseball, all right. I got to tip the cap to him because he actually hit a solid curve ball thrown by Lynn and took it out, and it yeah. just really left the, the, the gap fence there. But, uh, yeah, situational baseball with, um, for this next game here tomorrow. Um, you got to be careful – you know, pitching around him in situations, but I'm not going to blame Lynn for that pitch that he threw to him because that was a solid pitch that sometimes the hitter just beats you. Um, and that just ended up being the case. But we move on, we move forward. Um, we have a three game series uh, versus Baltimore. Um, you're going to have Clevenger versus Wells on Friday. You're going to have Kopech versus Kirk Gibson on Saturday. And then wrapping up on Sunday, you have Cease versus Rodriguez, the lefty. These are three games at home. Um, so even though I believe they lose in Minnesota, I do think they're going to take two of three versus Baltimore. Um, but the pit, the batters I'd be focused on, again, you're not going to walk these guys, but keep your eye on them. Um, Mountcastle for the Orioles right now, bang 289 with five home runs, 18 ribbies. And then their kicker. It was in his uh, first – I'd call it his official year as a rookie because he came in over halfway into the second half last year. But A.J. Rutschman, he's batting uh, – uh, Adley, but go ahead. Go off, King. Yeah, Adley. Uh, batting 395 average with a 490 um, on base percentage and 628 slugging. So uh, those are two guys keep an eye out for. Um, what do you guys think about the Baltimore series? Real quick, uh, I, I'm looking. I'm looking at it as the same as Pittsburgh. Honestly, uh, the offense they can really hit the ball out of the ballpark. 
Um, but the, the starting pitching, I mean, we got to get off to a fast start. We got to take advantage of that because they're they're not throwing any B plus starters. Like Clevenger would probably be the fucking ace in their rotation right now. Let's just be real. So uh, they do have guys like Austin Hayes, uh, Gunnar Henderson, who aren't household names yet, but they could. They are still quality ball players. So you can't you you can't just take your foot off the gas and mail in any uh, you know individual battles with those players because they do have the necessary tools to beat you. But a uh, perfect example. Dylan Teese is going to, uh, on getaway day, is going to have an opportunity to pitch through some traffic. Again, you know he's going to have to get through that. Uh, Mike Clevenger, are you going to have a, a section of the game where you're retiring 10 to 12 guys in a row? Are you going to give your offense that type of support? Are you going to brick the game down? So um, just want to swing back to Giolito for tomorrow. Uh, traditionally, his numbers against the Twins are good, especially – these uh, piss ants in the lineup tomorrow. I'm going to be the only person on the blackout live saying I expect a W. Giolito lowers his ERA from nine to about 8.99, and we still get a win. I think the offense erupts against Sonny Gray, to be honest. Awesome. How about you, Ozzy? Any, anything uh, sticking out here with Baltimore at all? You know, Baltimore's going coming in right now from a, a two two games that they have won. Um, mm. They've lost the first series, won the second, lost the third series, won the about to win the fourth series if they win. But that means that they're they're coming in with two series lost in a row to the White Sox. The White Sox are going into their you know depending on what happens tomorrow, um, they're going to lose three series in a row, um, which is not great. Um, but I, I think that with the Orioles, I think that the White Sox, um, you got Cease pitching one of those games. So that to me is a should be a, a guaranteed a lockdown, the lockout game. Um, I also think that they face Clevenger, in my opinion, right now, the second best pitcher on the Sox um, yeah. when, in the first three weeks. So I think that they actually win that series. Um, they potentially could sweep depending if they get hot. But I got them in, you know, from what's left. I don't know if we're going to go all the way to to that Monday, but I got the White Sox at 500. Um Again, I, I think that they win the Orioles series, the first series won after three losses. Um, and then um, that first game against the Phillies, um, I actually get them, I actually got them losing it. So uh, that's why I got them at 500 at three and three um, for the yeah. week. So, so, uh, so Junior, which is not horrible. We will, we will cover that, that first game right now. Um, yeah. So we actually go on the road um, to Philadelphia to start off that series. And we're going to preview that game right now. Um, we'll cover the, the final two games of that next week, but that Monday matchup is Lance Lynn versus Zach Wheeler. That's the projected matchup. Um, we saw Lance Lynn the night, hell of a game after that first inning, um, finished strong. Ho- we, I was kind of hoping he got that W cause he definitely needed it with that performance that he had. Um, but you're going up against Zach Wheeler and, uh, he's no joke as a righty. Um, I, I do agree with Junior there that I do see uh, the Phillies taking that first game. Um, and the, the, there's two bets right now to take a look at for them. Junior really loves his Schwab bombs. So uh, Schwab is batting 200. He has three home runs, six ribbies. Um, and then Bomb for them is batting 341 with three home runs and 11 ribbies. Kind of surprising for Bomb because I, I didn't think he was going to be starting the season that hot. Um, go ahead, Junior. He's a good hitter, Gonzo. 
Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, Alec Bohm is a really good offensive player, like, in totality. He can mount up the base hits, got good plate coverage. He's a tall, strong kid who could run. So he's, I'm not going to say he's Chris Bryant because I don't think Alec Bohm has an uh, MVP in his pocket, but two similar type players. Another weapon the Phillies been deploying out the bullpen was Jose Alvarado. I got him on fantasy in the scumbag classic, and all he's doing is fucking striking out the side, lefty. So you're going to get into a point to where in that series, Oscar Colas is going to be face-to-face with that monster. Pedro Grafal is going to uh, – he's probably going to have to bite the bullet and have Gavin Sheets face that monster. So how the Sox execute against matchups that are not in their favor will tell us how they're going to bridge us through this injury period because we're going to be stacked up against it every fucking game unless we're facing a Kyle Gibson. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So yeah, who know- I mean, who knows? Because Philly started off the season rough. I mean, but yeah. you don't want them to turn around versus us, but that very well could be the possibility. Um, we'll have to see. And it's just one game for that series, and hopefully the Sox bounce back uh, in that series later into week four next week. But that is the wrap to the Southside Daily. And that brings us to our picks. This is the worst fucking segment of my life. Uh, Thank you, Tim Anderson. But go ahead. This is the weekly picks. This is picks to click for week three. Um, I'm just going to break it to you. Yes, I won last week. <laughs> I'm just going to break it to you. <laughs> with, oh, you won with C's, with C's. And I, with again, Dylan C's, yes. Had, 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 uh, had the week been extended to today, I think that with the home run that Pantera got, he would have made a run for it. But no, C's got it. Two wins as a starting pitcher. You got to give it to him. That's the main thing that they got to do is win a game. So Good job on your win. At least I came in second. I placed um, Jay and uh, Brian and all those guys. Like, might as well you get picked. Might as well just get put on the IL already. So to wrap Are up. Are you fucking kidding me right now? I'm just saying that whatever you guys pick is going to end up getting hurt. So everybody out there in the White Sox, here comes the next guy, whoever Jay picks. Hopefully, you know. To wrap up week two, um, Cease got the dub. And uh, his stats were with those two steps. Tiny. Pitch. He only gave up four hits, two earned runs. The doubter on him was the seven walks, but he had 14 strikeouts to go against that. So two to one ratio on that. And then with the two wins he had, um, he got the win for last week. But Junior did come in second uh, with Luis Robert, who went 19 for 22 with three home How runs. Or sorry, with uh, three runs, two home runs, and eight ribbies. Did you say 19 for 22? Yeah, how do you – and I lost. And I lost. What the – And I lost. And I lost. Because – And I thought I had a chance. No, you because. didn't have a chance. You'd have a chance if, if T.A. played every single game twice. If he played the games one time and then played them again the second time. No chop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it really just came down to those two – win the two uh, wins for CSB because out of all that production – he only had, I think it was, 
the Saturday game, the Saturday win in Pittsburgh. He had the winning, um, or the, not the winning, but the go-ahead uh, run uh, for that fourth run that ended up being the winning run. So um, there was no, and then again today, it was just a t- he tied the game, so he didn't put them ahead um, if we counted today, but we didn't. So, um, yeah, really productive week for Robert. Um, and then Justin had TA, who had, uh, he went seven for 22, two less hits, but he had six runs and three ribbies. Um, and then obviously our boy Brian picked Eloy and the very next morning when we woke up to Eloy being on the DL. So poor Slav had no shot. Um, (laughs) that's what happens when you're on vacation away from us. Um, you get no shot. So no chance. Now with a fresh week, um, the order is actually the same as last week. It's going to go me or no, it's going to be a slight change. It'll be me first junior and then Justin and Slav. Um, for the first pick ceases off the board. So I can't pick him for one start this week. So I'm going to go with the guy that is hot on offense. I'm going to go with Luis Robert jr. Um, now do you guys want to use today's stats for this week or just start fresh tomorrow? No, I think we start fresh tomorrow. Okay. I'm okay this man that. is going to pick Luis Robert and then going to want to piggyback his stats the rest of the hey, week. What type I don't know because if you guys pick game is this? If you guys pick Vaughn, you can go ahead and use his two ribbies that he had. So Nah, we we'll go fresh start from 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 tomorrow. Okay. All right. And then it'll be Wednesday through Monday, right? For our Yes. Like the, yeah. Yes. Okay, so I pick Robert. Um, go ahead, Junior. What you got? You know what? I'm, I've been debating uh, between these two players because I know whoever I pick is just going to have a great, great week, and I'm and I'm going to have to hear it. Um, so I was thinking catcher and not Sevy, but then I thought about it. You know what? He needs the Ray Club, the Ray Club, the Andrew Vaughn Ray Club. I'm going with Andrew Vaughn. I like wow. the game that he had. I think that he is going to have a good series. Even though that doesn't help Obi? out, I'm, I'm going to go with the crazy eyes. I'm going to go with my guy, Andrew Vaughn. Uh, my first uh, Caucasian pick of the season. I, oh I stopped riding God. the Latino train. I did. I stopped riding the Latino train because I could have gone with my guy, Moncada. Um, but I'm not 100% sure if he is going to be active and how active he's going to be. Um, so I got I got Andrew. I got. I think that he's going to give him, have himself a good series. I like his matchups against the Baltimore staff. Uh, same things with the Phillies, except the bullpen, but I like Andrew. He looked great today. So I know we're not counting those stats, but I think he's due for, for a good week. All right, Justin, who you got? Oh, uh, well, Andrew Benatendi. He's I hurt. Feel like, <laughs> I feel like uh, you can't be as bad as this, and you're going to pick me up off the snide, Andrew Benintendi. So I'm going biceps. I'm very confident, as you can see, in my body language and my voice. There goes Andrew Benintendi's fleet. Is somebody's pager going off? Uh, it's Andrew Benintendi's. Uh, that's the doctor's pager saying, let's go get Andrew Benintendi. He just got hurt. That's his life actually, alert? Yeah, Jay just is- picked him. For pick to click, he's getting hurt. <laughs> that was actually my stove for my dinner that is ready here shortly. Um, but actually, uh, Slav, Slav will be giving some picks tonight. And uh, you 
Justin took his first option in Beautiful. Andrew Benintendi. So Benintendi is off the board. Um, does anyone want to guess who his second option is? It's not Sheets. What about you, Junior? What, what's your guess? I'm thinking Grandal. <laughs> Grandal either. Um, breaking news. Slavko's making, Slavko's making his pick, and he is going with dad power. Jake, Jake Berger. Berger. With Berger? Well, that's well, – that, that, by the way, <laughs> thank you, Slav, for picking <laughs> Jake Berger. <laughs> so, chat, this is the picks for the week. Um, I'm going with Berger Robert. might end up in the IL, too. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Junior's like going with doll. Vaughn. He's like a voodoo doll. Um, Justin's going with Andrew Benintendi. And Slough, who's on vacation right now, is going to be going with Jake Berger. Um, and that well is our picks. That is well balanced. Um, guys, we're going to go to our last part of this segment. And we're going to take a look here at the matchup tomorrow and Junior, is there anything for uh, any bets out there that you're looking at for this matchup at all? You know what? For the matchup, I'm definitely um, – I haven't seen the line, which I got to put it, but I, I want to say that with Giolito and Gray going in, um, and I'm going to pull it up right now to see what the official line is, um, you definitely got to look at the strikeouts. Today's game with, uh, with Lance Lynn and Pablo, I think over 22 strikeouts, um, which is a lot. Um for both sides. So I think that there's always like an intimidation factor, like again, from an offensive side with, with both teams. So it's, it's gray. Um, if you do believe though, the White Sox are going to, to pull this victory off, it's a plus money. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but I do believe that if the white, the twins win, it's going to be uh, in the upward. So I'm taking the over on the runs on eight and a half. Okay. I think that's going to be, my first bet on tomorrow's game. And I'm also going, uh, I'm going first inning under 0 0.5 runs. There's going to be no run scored in the first inning and then batter props. I'm going with uh, one that we have not had. I'm going with Andrew Benetini actually going over okay, yeah. on a stolen base. He is at plus 450 right now. Okay, I love those odds. If Andrew Benatendi gets on, he will be running, especially with um, the uh, Moncada being out, TA being out. He, he's probably the fastest guy in the lineup right now from the sense of running. So I got him going on there. And then um, I'm going to go with a crazy bet. This is going to be don't bet it because it probably won't hit, but I might take it since he is my pick to click. I'm going Andrew Vaughn going deep. Off going Sunny Gray? Deep. You think it'll be off Sunny Gray? I don't know if it's gonna be off a of Sonny Gray, but I like it. He's he's at he's at it's like plus eight fifty. Look, right Gonzo's about to Gonzo's about to queef right now. I'm just saying though, he's a is a plus eight hundred. But again, you can bet that one. But also, here's here's a better here's a better bet. Okay, for the safer bet, total base. But again, I got I got a bet I got to bet Andrew Vaughn because he is my pick to click over one and a half total bases is at plus two fifty. I'm taking that for sure. Well, I think I'll go with you. I think. If he is going to hit the homer, it's going to be off of Gray, uh, Gray Sonny, Sonny Gray's uh, slider. I think so, if, uh, if, if they score any runs off of Sonny Gray, it's going to be, um, it's going to be obviously off of um, 
off of Sunny. I think if Vaughn's going to do it. And then there's from the pitching point, when we're talking about strikeouts, the over on five and a half strikeouts for Lucas Giolito is at plus money. I like that one. Uh, again, I think that Minnesota's good offensively, but it's swing and miss. And then the over on the four and a half on Sonny Gray. I'm taking the over on that on the strikeouts uh, just because, again, they are, uh, they just allow a lot of strikeouts on both sides. So that that's what I got. I'm actually surprised, though, when you said that um, no one's going to score in the first inning because especially with Geo pitching, I thought for sure. I, and I just well, I like the odds. It's at plus money. Again, yeah. I think if uh, I like that over, because obviously from the money standpoint, if I do bet the, tw- if I do bet the Twinkies to win, it's going to be at the minus one and a half run score. That means I have to win by two. Um, but if you do, if you do have an incline on, on the Sox winning, keep an eye on that minute on that line. Cause it's pretty large for the Sunny gray winning the game and not Jolito. Or the Sox. So if you want to ride with the White Sox on a game that they're going to steal, and again, if they steal this game, that means that the record at the end of the week, instead of being three and three, it would be four and two, and that would put the record at um, at nine and ten instead of eight and ten. But April seventeenth, only one game under five hundred halfway through a month, where we said if the White Sox play five hundred baseball, it should be decent because of the strength of the schedule in the month of April. So not completely horrible from a standpoint of records. Uh, what? Optimism from Sox fans? No, I'm just saying though, like, you, like when we looked at the schedule in April, we said 500 would be a good number for them to survive in April with a 500. So right now they're only two games under 500. If they pull that victory off and our prediction stays the same, um, which last week it didn't, we predicted them to be seven and three. Don't believe that was the record. Um, but right now, uh, if they do, if they end up the weekend three and three by losing the game tomorrow, and they end up by next week, they'll be at eight and ten by April seventeenth. So, just put emphasis on that, Junior. Like, if they're able to play five hundred baseball with missing Eloy and Tim for one to two weeks during that stretch, would be impressive. Um, and I also want to highlight, um, if, in case no, Junior, if you didn't miss it or anyone else out there missed it, but the uh, Middleton made his debut um, in our bullpen for Ooh. Ruiz, and uh, he Looks struck great. out. The- he struck out the frame, went one and one thirds, and uh, struck out three. So uh, Milton looks good. He need that other guy um, <laughs> in the middle of our uh, bullpen. So uh, it looked really promising. And uh, gosh, Ray Ray was lighting it up in the ninth in, in a tied game. I was kind of surprised they brought him in for the tie in the ninth. Uh, but at the same time, glad he did. Um, Hell of a hell of a start to this week with that loss. Um, we'll see where it goes from here, guys. But do you have any closing thoughts here um, as we're wrapping up the show? No, I think that's a very important week for the White Sox. The last thing you want is to lose a second, uh, a fourth series in a row. Um, and you got to take an opportunity right now. You got Cleveland kind of struggling. You playing head to head versus the Twins. Uh, Tristan McKenzie's been putting the six to eight DL. So this is like kind of where you can make up some ground. Uh, on teams that might be playing a little tougher schedule than you. But again, for, from that standpoint, I think that it's a week that is optimistic and a week that they should definitely at least play 500 baseball. Yep. And once again, we're going to have to give a shout out to Sean Sierra for setting up with us here tonight. Oh, yeah. um, that was a great show with uh, Sean joining us and uh, tune in to sports zone Chicago tomorrow in the morning. 
Um, I'll be going on his show at 8 a.m. So I'm going to be waking up early, jumping on that with all that energy. And uh, I'm going to have to uh, give Sean my best and uh, take all of the energy drinks I can to stay up for his early morning show. Um, but thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This is the Blackout Show. And this is Justin Lee, Ozzy Gian Jr., and myself. We say goodbye, Sox fans.